Mr. Ranella. What's going on? What's up, brother? How are you, man? Good to see you again. Good to be back. Where's my, my bear me? You know, we have all gone through uh, a, a very uh, unique and spectacular experience together. Yes, you know, we have. you do it on a regular basis, but all of us, like doing that together, I'll never forget that. I'll never no, forget that trip for the rest of my life. We had a great fucking time. I watched the episodes twice now. <laughs> really? And I love them, and I thought it was shot really well. I thought the music was amazing. I thought it was amazing. It turns it, it turns into Blood Brothers. It, yeah, it to be out in the field, man. no doubt. Yeah, I think. yeah, it's yeah, a totally yeah. different. Yeah, and to see how people respond too to like waking up in the fucking freezing cold, and you know nobody benched out. Everybody kept it together. No way. That's important. You could take some fucking Seth Green type characters with you on the road. Sorry, Seth Green. I don't know why I picked on you. Well, <laughs> how about me? How about Joe Rogan type character? Why? Well, no, that doesn't make sense because I did it. Yeah. But I mean, there's a lot of people out there. Sorry, Seth. I have no reason to take shots at you. I'm just do, do you know? Did I tell you that what the anthropologists they did that study about how men who show up in a bar all done up in jewelry and <laughs> and and why they get beaten up traditionally or why why there was this so much like actual violent pressure for men to actually conform to a haircut and to a look like oh, the, the joke is men they have two criteria for how they dress they don't want to look like a pussy and they want to be comfortable and and it, they mainly don't want to bring attention to themselves like you don't see a guy unless you're wearing an Ed Retardy shirt but you know those guys are usually they jacked and ready but for the most part men will wear things that are like you know blues and grays and you know simple stuff because this uh, this anthropologist was talking about the idea that if you it goes back to how men used to hunt in groups and if a man if you guys were all set and we we're gonna go hunting and all of a sudden i show up in a bunch of sparkly shit and bangles that are making a bunch of noise you guys yeah. are gonna be like you're gonna spook the fucking deer. They can see it a mile away, and you're making like hanging, hanging, But I like these. And uh, yeah, I don't buy this. No, uh, that's you're getting I, shut down, son. I want to hear well, your point of view on it. Actually. Because look at how I mean, look <laughs> at the way that a lot of, uh, of of indigenous hunters today still adorn themselves. Yes, but they don't. They, that's for not not jewelry, when they go hunting, though, right? Uh, isn't that for for traditional paint. dancing stuff? But not. No, like you, you might go think... on, you might go to hunt or go into battle with like face paint or elaborate jewelry. Or there's there's so many accounts of like Comanche who would wear wedding veils and stuff that they that they gathered during raids and just crazy clothes. Well, I would always know? wear a wedding well, veil. I think that's yeah. wedding veil. I don't want the deer to see my expression change. But, but you know what? But your re- your thing that I that I that I, that I contested, mm. and, and I don't I don't mean I don't mean to act like I'm the final Santa, but it no, reminds me of it reminds me of something similar that's equally interesting, and it's that like. I was reading this 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 book on human uh, evolution, and he was arguing like, how could it ever be beneficial to be a daredevil? Right. I mean, like, what is the selective advantage to being a daredevil? And this guy argues that it's you're saying to a man is saying to females, you're like, I'm so ridiculously fit, right. you know, that I can do something so stupid and still thrive, right, and still breed you. Right, yeah. you know, like that's how well, fit I, I am. I don't think when men you get would... this shit like wingsuits, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Or how about, how about sit... fighting bulls? I don't well, think men would those... fight bulls. Yeah, but those... fighting bulls is kind of a scam because there's a lot of other dudes involved. Like it's not just a matador and the bull. There's other dudes stabbing the bull. Yeah. They they put poison darts into the bull. Yeah, they do a lot of creepy <laughs> shit. It's still is that pretty right? crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, 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 there's other dudes that stab the bull. Yeah, the picadillos. Yeah, but. 
when you're in a fucking wingsuit, you're in a wingsuit, okay? Those crazy assholes that jump off those mountains and they're going 100 miles an hour in those suits. Have you seen them fly through cities, like through the middle of buildings? No. Dude, there's a guy, he jumps out of a plane in fucking Brazil, okay? Jumps out of a plane and does this wingsuit shit and goes flying over Jeez. the city through buildings. There's a what? gap in between these two buildings and he shoots through these two buildings before he pulls his parachute and lands. Is he oh flapping? No, or just he's, he's, he's gliding. He's, he's just he's gliding. Soaring. It is... It hurts your head when you're watching it. No. You're like, shit, what is he going to fucking crash? You're going to die, yeah. You, I mean, how much can you really totally control it? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much you can really steer I guess, it. I guess but this guy, he fo- this, there you can this. see look him. Look at this. He oh. Are you kidding? Yeah, he, that's no. him. It's him in the wingsuit. This is the camera. And look at that. Oh, he flew. my God. Oh, Jesus Christ. No. Yeah, look at this. Are you kidding By me? By the way, it was Misty. Okay, it was stories up in a gap that is only 26 feet wide. Oh, that guy's a badass. So who's behind this viral vault through the air? Look That's at that. Norwegian Yoki Summer and Frenchman Ludovic Wirth, stuntmen sponsored by Red Bull. It, it was more Red Bull. Sponsored by Dude, look Red Bull. Red Bull's gangster. To do an urban well, Red Bull sp- sponsored the highest. This death-defying, not to mention illegal jump, the team took to the skies at 5:45 a.m., oh giving them God. 20 minutes before the first commercial flight would appear on Rio's horizon. Oh my God! Imagine they had to calculate when the first flight takes uh, off, it's so you so don't get nuts. torpedoed in the air by a yeah. fucking plane We're going 500 miles engine. an hour. Yeah. yeah. Do you think you can time the plane? How fast the plane's coming at you as you're no, flying down no. towards They're going it? 600 miles an hour. Yeah. You 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 ain't gliding away from that thing. That's a rocket. And so if that guy lands, and then a woman is like, "I'm so impressed by that. I'd like to go out with you for drinks tonight." It would demonstrate that there's a selective advantage there. Yeah. There's and, a selective and, advantage and, and towards... And, and being a daredevil. Yeah. There's definitely... That totally makes sense. Yeah. Evolutionarily. And it also makes sense that we, we, we have a disdain for people that are, like, wearing jewelry and dressing flashy and attracting a lot of attention to, the, to ourselves. Because classically, that, that person who, like, aims to stand out so, so strongly ruins everything. Mm. They, they get too loud. They turn things into fights. You know, the, the person is, like, really loud and, and flamboyant. And they usually it's, – it's just a natural instinct. Yeah. It's, the feeling you get is like, oh, look at this fucking guy. Like, right. what, what is this guy going to bring to the party? Like, what yeah, and I'm with you. He's not a team player. He's not yeah. – yeah. he's, he's some crazy asshole with jewelry on. Right. What's he doing? Like, Why is he like, have... like Chris Angel? Why is he wearing a fur? I, I get annoyed at Chris Angel because he's too he's too into his body and he's too into his ripped <laughs> jeans. And I'm always like, I don't know. I'm sure I'd, I'd like him, but when I see him, I'm like, I'll punch that guy in the face, man. But on top of the fact that he's really muscular, he's kind of a good looking guy, so I'm a little jealous of him. At the same time, I'm like, hey, I don't like that. Guy. Maybe I'm a little attractive. That's probably <laughs> one of the best ways to get girls ever to be a beautiful magician. magician? Oh, he's awesome. Beautiful, he's handsome magician with a great body. He's great. He's Must great. be ridiculous. You gotta love the guy. Yeah, it's like there's an evolutionary advantage in that way. Are you kidding? There must I, be, right? Be I, able do, to trick, I do magic. To be able to trick that many people into thinking that you're mysterious? He's awesome. I mean, what are you doing? I mean, every magician is a goddamn trickster. That's all they're doing. They're just tricking you. I'm friends, pretty good, very good friends with David Blaine. And yeah. women love him. Love him. I'm good friends with Penn Jillette, and women love him. <laughs> How about that? That's, that's even more impressive. That's impressive because Dave's a good-looking guy. He's yeah. got mystery and you know, tall and dark and stuff. Penn Jillette's a bad motherfucker. Did I ever tell you about? Is Dave? that Penn like 
Penn and Teller? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, guy. That yeah. guy. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about awesome. David Blaine who tried to fight Mike Tyson? What? Did I ever tell you the story? Tried to fight Mike I Tyson. I run into David on the, on the street, and he's, he's just jacked. I mean, I'm, he's built like me, but he was just so muscular. I was like, David, what are you doing? He goes, I was training for eight months to fight Mike Tyson. And when he went to a trainer, it might have been Teddy Atlas or something, he goes, I want to fight Mike Tyson. And, and I, think, I, I think it was Teddy. I'm sorry, David, if, you know, someone like that. And he goes, the trainer goes, well, what's the trick? And David said, nothing. I just want to last three rounds. And the trainer goes, not in this lifetime. And he goes, no, but I think if I train hard, he goes, you're not going to – I'm not training you to fight Mike Tyson. You won't last five seconds. You never fought in your life. You're a magician. If there's not a trick, it's not going to happen. And Mike Tyson, you know, thinks David's magic apparently. So, so that didn't happen. So he goes to another trainer, and the trainer goes, what's the trick? And David goes, there's no trick. I just want to do it. And he goes, I'll take your money, but it ain't going to happen. I'm going to tell you up front. And he goes, no, no, I want to do it. So David pays him a crazy amount of money. And they start, and he trains for six months, and finally they put him in the ring with his cruiserweight, just a guy who's there, cruiserweight, tall, thin guy who's, you know, who, can, who can box. And David said, that, David said that the guy jabbed him once. The guy was, bam, and David went, oh, oh, my God. Oh, he thought he was going to die. And, and the guy goes, you all right? And he goes, uh, I don't and then, and then he hit him again. And David was like, that's it. I can't. He took two jabs. He goes, I can't fight. This is crazy. He never. He had no idea how hard somebody could hit. And the guy goes, we've been telling you that the whole time. That's a jab from a cruiserweight who's not even a top pro. You're talking about one of the hardest hitters in the game of all time. David was like, oh, well, guess I can never when, do well, that. Well, when was he trying to do this? This was a long time ago. I, I, like I when Mike Tyson was boxing still? Uh, it was right when he retired, I believe. Right when he retired. Why would Mike Tyson do that? He's ridiculous. Why would he think that Mike Tyson would well, be willing to do that? Uh, I don't know. I'll talk to Dave and I'll come back with. But it's know, that's kind of stuff. insulting for him to even think that Mike Tyson, one well, of the Dave, greatest Dave's, fighters of all yeah, time, but, would be willing right, to do that. Right. Well, David's David's the kind of guy who just loves endurance. He loves thinking about the, the mm -hmm. hardest thing to do. Like he wanted to cross. I don't know if I can say it on the air because he may. Maybe right, but a fighter it. only has. I mean, even though Mike Tyson would run through him like a hot samurai sword through a molten piece of butter. Yeah. A fighter only has a certain amount of fights in his life. Right. And a certain amount of times you can punch a man in the head with your hands sure. and without him breaking. A certain amount of times you can explode moving on somebody and not tear a muscle. Right. You only have a certain amount of those That's in your life. Yeah. That Mike Tyson would waste one of them, even if it would be a quick crushing. Why would he waste one of those fighting a guy like David Blaine? That's so arrogant. Like, you should have a fucking, you, you really think you, you could be a boxer and fight Mike Tyson? Have an amateur fight. Well, Just one amateur knew. fight. I think a lot of guys, it goes back to what we were saying. A lot of dudes, and we meet a lot of these guys in L.A., a lot of guys don't really understand what it's like to be hit by somebody who can really hit you. You don't have that experience. You are, you're on the, you, your experience comes from what? Movies, where you see a guy get punched in the face and he comes back and hits again. So you think that's how it is. Until you get hit by a guy who really understands how to hit and your whole world, your whole world changes well, it's just it's very difficult to relax too when someone's hitting you, and one of the things that happens to people is they freak out. Yeah, and their their stress level goes up so high they lose complete control of their ability to control their breath, and they get exhausted and they fall apart. It's yeah. like one of the, the the main things that, and it's because they can't process the actual reality of getting hit. If you've been hit before, you can calm yourself down, like, even though you know that, like, wow, I just got hit hard, right. but we got to keep moving. Keep we got to keep your eyes open, hands up, and you start, like, calming yourself down. But that's a process you have to get really, really, really used to. You ever see boxers where the guy's taking a jab and then he has his eyes open yes. and he's countering? Yes. Like, eyes open it's while incredible. a guy's it's punching incredible. your face. 
Like they they get so comfortable with it, they eat jabs with their eyes open. It's incredible. Diaz, Nick Diaz is really good at that. Nick Diaz can actually eat your jab and keep coming. He's one of the few guys I've seen who who's got that. That's not a good move. (laughs) He should always get the fuck away from punches, man. Did you see uh, the um, HBO boxing this weekend? uh, That um, Donaire fight? No, but did you see that Bradley fight with uh, Bradley and? uh... You see the chick fight. No, what? Yeah, that did was you insane. not see the Bradley um... Hopkins? No, no. Who, Bradley? Who what's for? that guy from Siberia? It was the fight of the year, or uh, just recently? It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. The guy that he fought in Rocky Three? No, oh. <laughs> this Siberian guy fights out of uh, Freddie Roach's gym, and it was the craziest thing. It's the it's the it's the craziest. Oh, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. A His Russian eyes man. were shut. It was it was a crazy fight. Yeah, don't tell anybody what happens because yeah. it's so crazy. Anyway. It was the best fight ever. That makes you people who have no respect for that, like people who have never been beat. You don't have any idea like what those guys are sacrificing to try to entertain people. Like it's it's the most, it's the biggest, the biggest sacrifice you could ever make physically without dying. It is. And what's really interesting is some people have a genetic, like an ability to take punches that that you as a human being should never be able to deal with. Like like even watching Big Country when he was taking those knees to the face. You ever see that? Yeah. You call the fight. Incredible. Like how he can take that kind of punishment to his head is the nuttiest thing I've ever seen. So a lot of it is in his mind too. A lot of it is your determination. The physical build of your face. Mm. That's one big pig, like Mark Hunt, like that big fucking <laughs> thick head. That Samoan head. Oh, would you say the physical what of your face? A physical can build of your face construction. Yeah, how, it how seems it's going to take it. It seems that guys with really thin faces, like narrow jaws, have more of an issue with yeah. getting knocked out. Right. Whereas big square jawed guys, you know, are yeah, yeah, more yeah. difficult Well, they say to that, that fighting trainers look for... They look for a short neck and a wide face. Yeah, they, that supposedly is the best. Like David Tua, perfect example. Yeah. One of the, the best chins of all time. Mm-hmm. Like Lennox Lewis could cracked him on the jaw, and he just sort of wobbles back and forth and keeps moving forward. I mean, David Tua had a ridiculous jaw, and his I, head is as wide as a football field. It's I know enormous. his. I know his. Uh, I worked out with his strength coach for, and who got him ready for for his first fight. And his strength coach said that David Tua had never squatted. And he put him on the squat rack. We put 490 on the squat rack. And Tua went from, um, like, he, he, he went from, he took the weight, 490 pounds, and didn't do a regular squat. He did a deep squat. He did an all-the-way-down squat and then came back up with no problem. And he was like, Would you, how much do you practice squatting? And Tua was like, I don't, I don't practice squatting, bro. I don't, I'm just, you know, I don't know. How much weight was that? And he goes, that was 490 pounds with no belt or anything. You just put it on your body and went all the way down because you're not supposed to go all the way down. You just have to go down to like where you put your butt. On what kind chair. of shitty trainer is that guy? Why, why the fuck did he put so much weight on and why didn't he tell him how to do it first? I don't know. That, that trainer sounds like a douchebag. That story sucks. How hey, about man. that? Hey, man. How about that, man? Hey, man. All right, let me retell it. The trainer warmed him up. He stretched him and warmed him up. It's, it is definitely important. <laughs> you got to edit that one a little bit. You know what squatting doesn't help with? Hunting. When you're out there trying to stalk a deer. I, see, I, I disagree. I think all those body weight squats that I do, that totally helped me. I don't hike. No, I know. I never go hiking. We were hiking for fucking hours. I was like, there's a couple points where I was like, whoa, like I'm breathing like really heavy. Like this is like really taxing, right. you know? And someone who's like in shitty shape and you try to do that Badlands hiking all day, you're, that's not good for you. Well, when we had to hoof out all that meat... Yeah, well, that wasn't I'm not that. Gonna, it was a small amount. I, I, I thought it was heavy, and I was like, I was concentrating. Oh, yeah, geez. I think it's a peculiar, it's like a peculiar kind of 
um, in shape. Just like walking around on uneven ground. Yeah. You know, I remember when I, like, I grew up in Michigan and you couldn't, yeah, but you couldn't find a good, you couldn't find anywhere you could, where you need, needed to walk, you know, like a, like a mile walk would be a, a big walk there. And, um, we were, you know, we all consider ourselves like pretty tough about that kind of stuff, like hunting in Michigan and, and traffic and stuff. And when I moved out West and first started hunting elk, we would get where, like we'd hike in, we might hike in like eight or nine miles somewhere to hunt and then hunt a couple of days and come back out. And then we'd like get in the, in the truck and drive to a gas station, you know, and you go in to get like a fountain pop and a fountain w- pop. Yeah. Like you'd that's, go to that's soda for you, for yeah, you people so, who are not living in the fifties. I remember like get, getting <laughs> a fountain pop. <laughs> okay. A belly washer. So, but by that point in time, you'd pull up and open the door and couldn't get out of the vehicle. Like just that twenty-minute drive, and our like my we legs would just seize lock. up, like seize up so bad that it would take days to recover from it. Wow! And then now I don't understand. Like now, it just like doesn't happen. And even if I didn't go and do that for a year, maybe not a year. If I didn't go do that for six months or something, I feel like I would just be fine. Do you know what I mean like something yeah. like goes away or comes or breaks or heals or something from just like those long arduous hikes, you know? Yeah, the the human body is incredibly adaptable. I mean, there's things that people do if you go to a martial arts school and watch guys who have uh, been doing jujitsu their whole lives and watch like how you can move your body mm-hmm. around, how you can manipulate your body. Yeah. The only way you could do that is if you just do it for years and years and years and years. And you're hiking up those crazy slippery slopes. Like all those places we, we hiked up were really slippery. You know, it takes like a specific kind of balance and a leg endurance when you're, you know, moving through muck and stuff. And you're just, that's like, it's a skill, you know, you're just really good at it. Yeah. Th- you were barely getting tired. It was crazy. I was really impressed. I was like, this guy's barely breathing heavy. Like, we get to the top, and he's, like, glassing, and I'm going, <sighs> yeah. he's, like, barely breathing. But at yeah. the same time, keep in mind, I live in fear of um, catching a direct hit from my two-year-old. Uh, you know, he gets big timeouts for that, and I'm, like, you know, I'm kind of covering my face. Like, I can't take a hit from him. <laughs> he's 35 pounds. Hey, that's a big When I take one of his Matchbox cars, and he, blo- and he deals me a blow to the cheek or something oh. like that, it puts me out. <laughs> that's funny. Kids can fucking, they can hit you hard. They don't pull. No, man. My daughter decided to dig her heel into me. She went, hey, yeah. I was, I was, she jumped on me. I was lying in bed. She jumped on me and decided to ride me. And she took her heel and, and, and went, get that in my rib. And I went, hey. Like, it was crazy. I was like, how'd you get that much power out of that heel strike? Do you teach them martial arts yet? Not yet. My son will definitely be learning. I, t- I train them when they're rolling, the four-year-old and two-year-old, because yeah. they, they wrestle around together naturally. So I train them positions. And I was like, this is not where you want to stay. If you're in this position, what do you want to do? You want to pass the guard. That's I think right. it's pass important. The guard. <laughs> we, should, we should teach somebody how to do that. You know, but, it's weird. Like, my wife today, honestly, my wife, like two hours ago, my wife sent me a, a message on my phone asking if I thought that our little boy would like uh, karate classes. It's really good. I never kids, did anything man. like that. You know, well, like you up. did a lot of hunting, though, and a lot of physical yeah. things. I think men need a lot of physical things. I think the idea that a man, that it's natural for a man to have no explosive release physically for the rest of his life and just sit in a cubicle and just go through life with shiny shoes on with a fucking tie on, your body's going to break. Yep. That's, that's, total, that's a totally unnatural thing you're asking of it. Yeah. And if you don't, you don't you have some sort of physical release or at least understand how to manage it. 
you know? You got to understand how to manage it. Like, managing it is super important. Well, it also, it also hormonally for a man doing exercise like that hormonally changes you hormonally. When you don't, when you don't exercise, you lose it, man. Yeah. You lose it. Oh, no question. No question. It's way healthier to, to, to actually lifting heavy is a good thing too. In a lot yeah. Of but we're talking about for little kids, for little right. kids, like learning, like learning, like how to do difficult things like early on. It's so important. Well, because hand-eye it becomes, coordination. Like, think, how, well, think how normal it is for you to like sleep somewhere that's fucking cold as shit with a sleeping bag and like, all right, well, this is just what we're doing. Here we are. You and Mo curled up together in that van yep. freezing your asses off. That for, for an average person, that's like some you know, walking dead type shit. That scenario never comes up. And if it did, they, they would fall apart. They wouldn't be able to deal with it. They'd be complaining and whining. I mean, how many people would complain and whine? Well, Steve, you th- shed some light on this because I've read accounts of where the, the settlers, um, when they would move west and they'd come in contact with Native Americans, it'd be a bitterly cold winter or something. And they would see, like, um, Native Americans... And children not not dressed warmly, you yeah. Know, like dressed in like you know, or or not warmly compared to Western. So they'd be it'd be like you know ten degrees out or something, and they'd be in you know two uh, skins and but 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 not nearly as bundled up as you would expect them to be. Yeah, I think that I think the people I think the people acclimate to that kind of stuff, and you see your own minor version of it, just like the way you might behave throughout the winter. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like you get you get just generally accustomed to it throughout the year, and then you see like mild variations where people who like might grow up at northern latitudes move down south. They come back home and can't hack right the cold. You yeah, know? I wonder what that is. Maybe maybe your body so, naturally starts preparing for that or heating up. So yeah, I mean something shifts, and then you look like even then, if you look at cultures like 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 Inuit cultures, yeah. I mean just in that that small amount of time, and that's not like a like relatively that's not a very ancient. That's not a very like ancient people or very right. ancient culture. Like right. they're like fairly new arrivals in the Arctic, but they already like demonstrate physical differences and physical adaptations Their hands and feet don't get cold, right? that, that would help them adapt to the cold. Like how much how much stuff you spread out, like how much you know blood you send to your extremities, and how well you can shut that off and control it. And you look at another thing is there's this thing that's like it's called the Bergman principle. It's a it's a principle. In, in, wild, in wildlife physiology. And the Bergman principle holds that, like, if you have a species, okay, like, let's like, take white-tailed deer. In, in the southern extreme of that species range, the animals are going to be much smaller than in the northern extreme. So if you look at white-tailed deer from Alberta, there's just monsters up there. You hear these guys that get, like, 280-pound deer or whatever. Down in the southern extreme of the range, they might weigh 90 pounds. Hmm. And what they find is that a bigger like generally a bigger animal has less surface area. So that bigger animal is better able to retain body heat in a smaller animal in a, in a mammal shape, a smaller animal has greater surface area and is thus better able to shed heat. So it comes down to heat shedding and heat retention. And when you look at like human cultures, wait, so a smaller animal, say again, the smaller, like, like a bigger animal, if you have, let's say you have exactly the same shape dogs, yeah. okay, but one of those dogs is 200 pounds and one of those dogs is 50 pounds, right. the larger dog has less surface area per unit of mass. And, and the smaller dog has greater surface area per unit of mass. And so that's a way in which animals help, you know, shedding heat and, and keeping it. Another thing you see in, in species, like, like now that we look at the woolly mammoth, the woolly mammoth had very small ears. 
you know, we think of elephants that have mm-hmm. like elephantine giant ears. The woolly mammoth had very small ears. It was an Arctic and subarctic inhabitant. Then mm. you look at like the African element in near equatorial zones, big ears. So it's like the ability to shed heat, to, right. to send a bunch of blood into that big ear and drop that heat oh, off. Oh, I see. And what I'm saying is, that's huh. not, not just the body size thing, but just like attributes, long legs, you know, things that long legs would help you shed heat, heat. squat legs help you retain heat. So when you look at human cultures, like human cultures from equatorial areas and human cultures from Arctic and subarctic areas will in some way demonstrate that same tendency of, of or, you know, that same physiology of being squat and compact being able to handle cold. So I think that, you know, it doesn't take that long for, I mean, whatever your feelings are about, like, you know, when I talk about evolution, it always gets like tangled up. You know, people think you're making like a, some grandiose comment about religion or the Bible, but I'm just talking like that that things are different, you know, Mm -hmm. things look different where they come from. Right. And it doesn't, and I think that it goes pretty quick in, in species and humans and stuff making, you know, like, acquiring adaptations that help them deal with climates, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And you talk about the guys going out West. The, I mean, like settlers going out West, who's going to wind up thriving? The guy that can hack the cold, the guy yeah. that can sleep out, you know? That's but I think like on an individual level, I think so much of it comes down to, um, getting comfortable with discomfort. Yeah. And that was something I le- you know, that was something I learned over a long time of, of like, like, hunting in the West and hunting Alaska it was just kind of like the, the mental attribute of giving comfortable discomfort. Yeah. You well, they, they said that uh, the, the SEAL teams, uh, they tried to figure out what prototype would do well in the, you know, a stocky guy or whatever. A lot of guys are stockier. A lot of guys were wrestlers. There are three sports they recruit from, believe it or not, lacrosse, swimming, uh, wrestling, and uh, one other football. But, but they couldn't actually, they've never been able to really pinpoint who makes it and why, and they certainly can't even do it physically. Like some guys just defy the odds, and they shouldn't do it, but they do. So there's no like, well, that guy has this, the, this, these, this, these six qualities. He's definitely going to make it through buds. No, yeah. um, it's just a very difficult thing to pinpoint. Why well, we've been talking, uh, Cam? What's your name? Cam uh, just walked in. We only have one extra mic here, so you guys are going to have to oh. get close to each other and, and talk. Are you uh, you Steve's snuggle. you Steve's friend? You guys uh, know each other? We know each other a little uh, yeah, bit. I've gone on Cam's show a number of times. Yeah, Steve and I are both on uh, Sportsman Channel. I uh, do Cam and Company, uh, which is 5 o'clock Eastern, Monday through Friday. Uh, big fan of Steve's, and we've talked about... So you know, I thought respect. I was confused. I thought you guys were good buddies, and you were traveling together. You're not traveling together. Not traveling together. Oh, I got to... No. My information sucks. <laughs> uh, I don't know where I'm getting a wire from. Um, so uh, you're here uh, to promote... Here to promote uh, uh, your appearance on Meat Eater and uh, talk about the, you know, the uh, the MMA week that we're developing for uh, Cam and Company coming up last week in April. We're going to be uh, having Steven on and uh, hopefully having you on. Uh, Randy Couture is going to be joining us. We're going to talk about, you know, the, 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 the I, th- I think a lot of the similarities in the crossover between the MMA world and the world of hunting. Um, you know, you talk about what what attributes it takes to you know make it as a navy seal and you talk about what attributes it takes to to make it as a hunter um you know i think that there's all kinds of commonalities there when we talk about what it means to actually be better than what we are and to grow ourselves whether it's you know the 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 putting yourself in that 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 state of discomfort um where you know a lot of people bug out i mean they don't want to do that anymore we live in a world in which 
our entire uh, existence is based on how comfortable can we be. Yeah. But you know, again, you don't you don't become better unless you're pushing yourself, unless you're you're breaking out of that comfort zone. Yeah, it's a sad thing to see uh, a whole generation of kids growing up that don't experience that as young men. They they don't have difficult tasks to perform, mm. and I think that's like a, a, a very a critical aspect of like your your behavior and your your character and growing your character. You got to fail. You got to you got to be pushed. You got to get to a situation where you you pass your limits or you surprise yourself with new limits and you you change your own definition of yourself. But if you don't tra- test yourself, if you don't get into bad positions, you're always going to have that weird insecurity about you. Like mm-hmm. that weird insecurity that guys have that have never been in any kind of conflict ever yeah. and you don't know how they would react. There's yeah. certain people I know exactly how they would react if the shit hits the fan. But those other people are like, oh, you squirrely bitch, you might fall apart on me. And I think that, like you always say too, you know, if you're if you are if you're trying to be really good at anything, you can find all those all the you can find all that discomfort and all those plateaus and everything just in trying to get great at the guitar or the yeah, drums at anything. or whatever yeah. it is. There's a certain amount of humility and and an understanding of what's really going on that you develop when you, you sort of make any strides in any yeah. really difficult thing, or if it's playing chess, whether it's you know, whether it's writing, you know, wh- yeah. whatever it is, it's it's a matter of doing something difficult and and testing your boundaries. Yeah, I was. I think at a time all that, at a time all that came more naturally. I think if you just look at the the way people's lives used to be structured, you know, and even just you know, not even just a hundred years ago or so, it wasn't like we had to manufacture opportunities for stress. Right. So I mean, it was just like you had things you had to do, like you had to clear land or or, or people would actually have children because they needed the additional re- they didn't look at children as being a, a deficit they looked at children as being like an addition of resources, resources. like right. i'll have kids because they'll help me do more work yeah not that like i'll have kids so that i can pump money into them and pump you know resources into them i'll derive from them and now i find i certainly don't live that way now i find that i manufacture i try to like in small dosages manufacture that feeling for my kid to to like give him this he doesn't see it as artificial but give him this artificial sense of him having to have output mm-hmm. you know that i'm doing something and maybe i'm doing something completely unnecessary like he wants to make a birdhouse so we're going to make a birdhouse but at a point it becomes just like arduous you know there's a part where the fun dies and now we just got to get it finished you know mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. make it and to turn it in like no we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this and it's like, and I don't care if it's enjoyable to him anymore. And he's so little, this is all just like experiment now. Right. But just trying to like create that sense of that you have to now in some way do something you don't want to do. Yes. That it is, that is productive. That's as, part, as that's a part productive, of you know? love life practice, right? It's a part of that, you know, you get, you start getting good at something and just, you know, if, if you're trying to be a good wrestler or whatever, there are days you walk in, you're like, I don't want to wrestle. I don't want to do any of this. I don't even care about this anymore. It's all a bore. I don't like that guy. I don't like that guy. I don't like any of this. And you, it's like getting into a cold bath until your skin gets acclimated. You know, that, yeah. that, that's a huge part. It was like, it's a really interesting thing the way they put it, get comfortable with discomfort. I, I, I don't think you can get good at anything unless you you'd get you you get comfortable with this well that's of one of the thing about wrestlers that separates them from in my opinion almost every other athlete 
wrestlers go through such horrendous stress throughout high school Suck and college weight. between sucking weight and the training wrestling is the most brutal fucking training you can do and then you're doing strength and conditioning hill sprints whatever kind of crazy you know weightlifting program they have you on you you are broken down all day falling asleep in class you're dehydrated you're sucking weight you're eating yeah. fucking turkey breast and lettuce with lemon juice on it like you're, you're essentially starving while you're going Spartan to war lifestyle, man. and these guys they develop this unbelievable Unbelievable ability to just grind through shit, and they they break a lot of fighters just with their sheer will because of that. Mm -hmm. That that the mentality that comes with being a successful wrestler. It's like, well, I'm doing. You know, tomorrow I'm having Ronda Rousey on the uh, Brian Callen show, everybody. <laughs> and uh, sorry to push my podcast, but um, she, I'm, I look forward to. I Thank God you changed the name of that stupid thing <laughs> from Man Thoughts. A lot of people want Man Thoughts back. <laughs> it used to be called Man Thoughts, and then Joe was like. Come on, dude. Just have it the Brian Callen show. I was like, all right, I'm changing it back to the Brian Callen show, everybody. Man thoughts. It's because a... it's not, It's not. you know, <laughs> people look for the Brian Callen podcast. They're not going to Google man thoughts. Right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, it's, 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 it's kind of silly. There's a little disconnect there with people finding it. I know. It was know? an idea to label. But, but, I can't do any. I'm so bad who, at labeling. Who's the person? Who's Ronda the person? Rousey. Ronda Rousey is a UFC champion. And I, I'm, I, the point is, I'm making is that. I think part of what makes her so great is she was an Olympian in judo, which is so difficult. It's oh, the yeah. same kind of training. Yeah, brutal. And, and uh, you get in the octagon with Ronda Rousey, man. She's been through the muck. She, uh -huh. And I, that's what I'm going to talk to her about is what her – she's an extreme winner, you know, and I want to talk to her about how – what her mindset is, how she keeps that going, how she deals with the pressure, how she deals with all of it. Her mother developed her. Yeah. You know, her mother's a, a judo champion as well. Yes. And her mother just taught her to be a total badass. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. Well, she said in an interview, Rhonda said, and I'm going to talk about this, is when something bad happens to her, she immediately says, wow. I wonder. I wonder what I'm going to get out of this. You know, I wonder. Oh, this is this is gonna this is this sucks right now. But I wonder what good is going to come out of this because something good is gonna, something good. I'm going to react in a good way. I'm, my reaction is going to create something positive in this atmosphere. That's a great way of looking at any kind of adversity. Sure, until you get kicked in the head. Well, that's true. And then you go, okay, ain't that the truth, right? <laughs> that's that the, the ultimate equalizer. Boom, Boom Mancini used to say, who was that for some of you younger listeners? He was a world champion boxer and Ray Mancini. And he said, my father always said, you're a tough guy till you're not. Bottom line, <laughs> you're a tough guy till you're not. Somebody hits you in the face, you're not a tough guy anymore. You're a tough guy until you're not. Sorry, boom, boom, that's a bad impression of age. Doesn't it start to get to an age where your references don't work anymore? Yeah, I gotta, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back when Chico and the man. Like, my wife's I was like, how old are you? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Doesn't seem that. Like, I'll like, make some think about like, Mary Lou Retton, you know? Which, in my mind, was like the only athlete I knew about because she was on Special K-Box. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like... Yeah, jumping around. By the way, like Mary, Mary Lou Retton. How about, <laughs> about, how about when Bruce Jenner used to be the Wheaties guy, not some freak on a fucking reality show? God, how that, about that? How about when Bruce Jenner had a, had a man nose? How about when Bruce a, Jenner was a man? <laughs> What's going on when you when you become like this this guy who's on this reality show and all your your daughters With that are little just upturned nose all in the news and everyone's mad? They're all crazy. They're it's completely so crazy. Yeah, and he used to be a champion. He, he was a good looking Olympic. Was he decathlon? Yeah, he was one of the best in the world. He was a gold medal and and, and handsome, handsome, and then decides he he's going to go and get his nose done. I you ever played like, the game yeah. where you like try to flash forward twenty years into the future and and find out you know like think, okay, what celebrity that I know now who's normal is going to be that fucked up 20 years from now? 
No, oh, it's too know. easy to make fun of the ones that are fucked up <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah. I'm not really into fucking the stock market of celebrity doucheness. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking for them to be fucked up right away. I mean, right. there's always something. It's but the, there's some that you picture, like, if someone just rubs you the wrong way for whatever reason, it's fun to <laughs> fantasize turns that could happen. Right. You know? Well, what's really fun is when what, you, you don't like one and it actually happens and you get to watch. Yeah. Yeah, you can watch them fucking skid and hit the As rocks. you get older, you can kind of, you can kind of get, you get really, good at figuring out you look at some celebrities and you go oh there's a lot of flash and noise there but you're not drawing from much brother you're working with one bag of tricks and that's getting empty i can watch it and and you're like you got to come up with something but you a lot of times you see that it's a very disappointing thing when you realize that there's all these really douchey people that on camera and they have like this sort of like artificial act that they put on right. and then they'll do films where they're like really good at pretending to be someone else so they do that and then you know but you get to meet them and you see them and you're like this guy's a douchebag right. like a straight A grade A douchebag and, and a you're bore. a movie and a star bore. and a yeah. bore yeah, yeah. A boring crazy psychopath uh-huh. who's just who's really... all about themselves yeah. pathologically self-involved I know a movie star like that it's it's just you know, and you grow up watching him, with, yeah, I've done, and you get, and I got to know him, and I was like, you are an absolute cuckoo bird. You are all about yourself. Never ask me a question about my, I've known for many, never ask me one question about myself. Not one question. <laughs> not even how you doing. Never, not a question. No interest. It's all about him. He's truly the center of his own universe. There's it's, guys it's beautiful. like that. I had a buddy that I had to cut off because uh, I couldn't ever just have a, hey, what's going on, man? I couldn't have that. I couldn't say no, that. Competition. Because, no, 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 no. Because when you would say, hey, what's going on, man? He would just go into his career. I know you're like, talking about this. I mean, it was like a fucking five-minute diatribe on how Exhausting. well this audition went. And he's pretty sure he's going to be back for a, a, a second pass at that. And uh, I think once I can get in front of producers, I can show them what I can really do. I know who you're talking about, too. <laughs> hey, can, I, can I interrupt you long enough just to, Brian, yeah. I mean, how's your family? And <laughs> Dude, I I can't believe. Thank you, for not make being, sure. thank you for not he's, being self-involved. He's off of that Steve. list. He wants to make sure he's off of that <laughs> list. <laughs> Steve Rennell, you will never be on that list. Yeah, you can do your. You can do no wrong. Well, we were talking, Cam, before you got here. We were talking about how it seems like, um, you know, Brian and 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 Steve and I are. Uh, because we went on this crazy trip together, because we went to Montana, we, we have this weird blood brothership, blood brotherhood yeah. chip thing yeah, yeah. going on. It certainly you, felt that way when I was watching the episodes. I yeah. Was, Mo, like, I was, look, I was like, there's Mo, there's Dan Doty. <laughs> I miss those guys. So true. Like, and we, Ryan, Ryan. Yeah. Dude, for five days, we had a great fucking time with yeah. no TV, no cell phone. We needed all, less sleep, right? Remember that? Didn't I mean, we slept like rocks. Yeah. You know, we slept slept when the That's lights true. went out basically we ate slept and yeah. but getting up it was it, what didn't seem that hard like no. it was it was really it, fun. it was probably because we were going to bed at eight and waking up like yeah at six, six. so i did get about 14 hours of sleep <laughs> i didn't even need a nap i'm rugged it was hard to figure out how to sleep at first but i've I realized eventually that the softest way to do it is to keep your your not just your sleeping bag but your jacket on as yeah. well let me keep all my clothes i kept all my clothes yeah. on my jacket my right. sleeping bag yeah. and the the down jacket and the sleeping bag. I was like, this is our, just enough. Yeah. Let me tell you something. The next time we go hunting, I'm bringing a Sherpa and guess what he's going to carry? A big fucking mattress on his back <laughs> and a portable heater and fuck you guys, by the way. A portable yeah. heater? No, I'm going to have a portable you'll... heater and I want a fucking mattress with a big pillow. Well, remember you'll we passed that one camp? You'll lose something though, man. Whatever. 
Because really? Oh, will I? Good. Yeah, oh, shucks. What did we just talk about? Oh, this sorry. Is, sorry, guys. What did we a, just say about going through there's difficult a, things? There's a famous quote. I can't remember who said it. Like, you don't really know a man, you know, till you hunted, him, hunted with him. I wish I, forget that because I don't know the guy. I don't know what he said or who said it, which really destroys my point. But there's a, a broad thing I was going to say is that there's like a... I was talking to this one time with an older friend of mine. He was talking about being at his fishing camp. And he was trying to describe like, why he likes being at his fishing camp with his buddies. And they always fish halibut in Alaska. And he's like, everyone's just so, so competent, you know? Mm. And it wound up being like that he just kind of appreciated that, like hanging out with people who like have the ability to just to take care of things. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. Yeah. It's like to do things. And he was saying like, you got to wait in line if you want to wash a dish, mm-hmm. you know, with, with this crew of people he's out with. And I think that in ways, and I'm not saying this is exclusive to hunting. I mean, I think there's many things, but it's like going on a trip, you know, going on a trip with people where things aren't so great all the time. Like there's, there's elements of being cold. There's elements of having not slept enough, but it's kind of having this feeling of, of um, everything's going to be okay. Like mm-hmm. these guys are like great people to be with. And they're just like really competent people. And right now we're doing those like that, that behind, like we're doing like this little crew show on like the, the media was just on the one that's coming up or kind of about the guys I work with. And, and when I watch that, I kind of see that where I just feel so um, like comfortable being around people that I've spent a lot of time out hunting with. And again, I don't want to make, I, I think that sports teams feel something similar you know, I think yeah. there's there's the any, military like, is that like, way. Yeah, like guys that serve together yeah. in the military, yeah. but it's just kind of a way of uh, being away from things and sort of relying on other structures. You know, relying yeah. on other things and having assumptions about people holding their weight or you know, yeah. if you could complain, make it funny. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I mean? that's right. Yeah, exactly. That's right. You know, the, that's the, funny. The, when I went spent eleven di- days in Afghanistan doing a USO tour, and one of the things I came away with was I I realized I went. You know, I've been in LA for a long time, where I'm the center of my own universe, and everybody around me is always about them. And one of the things I found very refreshing about being in a war zone, if there is such a thing as being feeling refreshing, was that. When you're in the military, you're a Marine, you're an Army guy, you come last. Those guys put themselves last, and everybody around them comes first. So when you get off a a bus and you're unloading bags, there's always a line of people unloading everybody else's bags. Everybody's looking out for the other guy next to them. And that's that's ethos. That is that is credo in in the military. That, that's that's drummed in you. And I gotta say that having come from L.A., which was the exact opposite, and being thrown <laughs> into that experience was very very kind of. It was really. Uh, I didn't expect it. it this was, is it one was, of the most ridiculous places to live in the world. If you want to, if you want to find like actual real humans to talk to, authenticity. Real, yeah, real <laughs> authentic. Find, like, it's a true, lot dude. Of authenticity in Los Angeles. Men and women. It's yeah, like, it's, it's such a brutal grind to try to find people that are your friends that you can talk to. I've cultivated a group over the years, and um, one of the things about, about doing your show is that I knew that if I was going to do it, and I brought this motherfucker around, I'm like, we'll change the, the whole tone of the show. Like, this show is just going to be a five-day silly fest. <laughs> I'm like, this is the perfect thing to do. because, And also, I knew... That Brian Callen holds up. I knew no matter what happened. The fucking asteroids could be coming and we'd be looking at each other. Well, pal, it's been a good time, That's but it. I don't see That's us it. surviving that fucking thing. Um. I'm always ready yeah. to go out with a bang. I will. I will stand by your yeah. side no matter what. Like he's, that's that's how I think of friendship. He's you know? my four in the morning. I got a body to get rid of guy. Yeah, yeah, yes. It's true. If I had if I had a guy that I had to call up and go, dude, um, yeah. meet, meet me. No, I would take me. a risk for you. That's, meet that's me how in, I meet yeah. me in your parking lot. No, no, <laughs> no, no I, I I take that very seriously. My real friends, my real friends. Yeah. I always said I'll take a risk for you. Yeah. I'll take a risk. That for hurts you. my feeling, Joe. That hurts my feeling. You, you too, sweetie. I would totally carry more. 
Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He can but carry a body more. Yeah. But I, you you might get uncomfortable walking through the desert. I also got holes. I got holes. <laughs> I got holes in stores of lie. Brian would have to stop for cigarette breaks. Yeah, but <laughs> I'd not, fuck the evidence away. But you're not just looking for someone who'd be cool with the fact that you had a body. Right. It'd be someone who'd be who'd be helpful in getting in, Oh yeah, know exactly up, how to get rid of it. You gotta yeah. go into mission mode. You gotta get rid of that fucking body yeah. because that's the way it is. Bathtub yeah, you know, you don't want it to become you know a fossil either. It's like it's like Jimmy Burke's friend, uh, who his is is he comes home. His girlfriend is having a fight with her boyfriend. Her oh boyfriend God. is hitting his daughter. He comes home and his daughter's in a fight with her boyfriend in the backyard, and the, and her, the boyfriend starts hitting her. He comes out, and he's a construction worker. He comes oh, out. Can and, you can you back, can you back up one okay, step? Okay, so so yeah. So no, not that. Oh, I don't understand the story. Okay, so the story is. <laughs> so, so my buddy, my buddy, my buddy, my buddy. Your buddy? Up, is it your buddy? Uh, my buddy my grows buddy. up. <laughs> grows up with a guy named. Uh, I can't think. He was a. Who gives a fuck boy. what his yeah. name is? Comes what happened? home. Comes home. His daughter is in the backyard with a boyfriend, and they're fighting. They're having a fight. The I'm boyfriend starts hitting his daughter. Okay. Right. He goes out of the backyard and tries to break it up. The boyfriend. I guess gets smart with him. He kills the boyfriend with his bare hands. He fucking kills him. Whoa. He punches him to death. Now he says to his daughter, go inside, and he's got to get rid of the body. So he calls his buddy. Wait a this minute. Guy, Are you, should you be telling the story? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Are That's people it. in jail? Yeah, they're in jail. Okay. So, so he, he, and this is a long time ago. So he calls his huge friend Bozo. Bozo was a knuckle breaker who... His claim to fame was he had the longest tongue on the, on the planet. He would stick his tongue out, and you'd go, oh, Jesus Christ, like that. He'd scare people with his fucking tongue that was the size of a cow's. Anyway, Bozo's a giant man. Bozo shows up. Bozo goes, I know what we're going to do. Calm down. He goes, what? He goes, I- I'll be right back. Bozo goes and gets a dolly. He takes the dolly. He ties the guy to the dolly. They fucking, in the middle of the night, they take this guy, they dolly him to a gas station round the corner. And they leave him behind the gas station. Oops, you dropped something. Then they come running back like, hee hee, we did it. Good job, buddy. Blood brothers. I got, I helped you get rid of a body. Well, here's what they didn't think because they were, they were a little drunk to calm down. Uh, the guy's hand had dragged, dragged along the ground. So when the cops showed up, they brought the dogs. And oh, the dogs God. went, oh, <laughs> Well, let's just follow where the dogs go. And the dog go. And they just went around the corner and found themselves a little house and started barking. Cops were like, knock, knock, knock. Hey, you guys, uh, dolly a body around the fucking thing. Ah, sorry, we did it. They fucking, you're going to jail and so are fucking you, pal. And they, they did some time. Not, a, not, they didn't do 25 to life. They did some fucking, I don't know. So your point is, you don't want. Any old dude getting rid of a body. You gotta you have a plan to through this shit beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta think through. You that gotta shit. rehearse this shit. And you gotta get his body out before it stinks. <laughs> yeah, it's important. Well, Blend tech blenders, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one blender at a time. Well, there was that guy that fed uh, the body through a. Uh, I guess a, he had a hog farm and fed the body first through a tree shredder. <laughs> Shot all the all of it into the hog thing and the hogs ate it, but they oh, still ended Fargo, up catching right? the guy. Still end up catching. You know, this reminds me of that link. Like Joe sent you sent me a link recently of like uh, the great 
uh, cannibals of the wild can- west. The great cannibals of the west. Which yeah, is fascinating. Wild shit, isn't uh, it? What's that? Like the Donner Party? Cannibals yeah. Of the west? Well, well, like similar, similar, yeah. similar. But one of them was a guy who uh, his wife got killed by the Cherokee, so he went on a rampage and just killed a bunch of Indians and ate their liver. And they called him Liver Eating Johnson. Liver Eating Johnson. <laughs> and he yeah. just he would kill guys and eat their liver. No, that was the That's... Sidney Pollack movie. <laughs> That's a serial killer who'd been fantasizing <laughs> no, about that his yeah, whole life. And he's like, they killed my wife he, before I could eat her liver. He later became the sheriff. Like, he later became the sheriff of um, Red Lodge. Is it Red Lodge, Montana? Something. Some, some, he was, yeah, the sheriff, sheriff of, I think, yeah, I think he was the sheriff in Red Lodge. And then uh, mm. Sidney Pollack made that movie, the great movie Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah. And right. Jeremiah Johnson was based loosely off of the legend of, of Liver Eating Johnson. And it was funny oh. about Liver Eating Johnson. Liver Eating Johnson used to cut firewood. On for the for the boats on the Missouri breaks. Wow! Where we did our float. Holy wow. shit! Which brings this whole deal way full circle, <laughs> mm-hmm. in a weird way. Yeah. But Johnson also had an eight inch tongue. I don't know how that. <laughs> 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 Some Wait a minute! <laughs> Your stories, man, about the old west were so great. Yeah. You know, you you know so many cool fucking stories. Like when we were like Brian, when we got back, when we were on the boat. And you were like, oh, my God, that the, the last day of on being on the water was so fucking cold. Oh, like, my God. I didn't even notice because Steve kept telling me all these cool-ass fucking Indian stories. American you know what's funny Indian, about, about that? How this guy got away and this guy hid in a beaver's den and this guy, they, they told him you could run naked. You can try to get away if you can, if you can run yeah. away. And I, was so, and I was so frozen. And I saw you, and it was so cold that you had, like, there were icicles on your beard, and you were just smiling the whole time. I was like, how is he not cold right now? So you did your job. You distracted him. I was enjoying myself, man. I never bothered. The, I mean, the, knowing that the cold was only, like, a five-day thing. I was like, as long as it's only a five-day thing. Yeah. And when we were walking around in the day, it wasn't bad. Yeah. As long as you have gloves on. I mean, yeah. if, yeah. You're, if you're done upright, if you're wearing yeah. the right shit, it's not bad. I had that's not that big a deal. That, it's the thing that's hard. It's like a, it's like a paradox, almost, where... <laughs> When you get uncomfortable and cold like that, some party wants you to stand there. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, yeah. But the only time you're actually comfortable is when you're out screwing around. Yeah, you got to like, move you're around. You're comfortable as soon as you start moving around. Yeah. But yeah. there's something in the minute you stop, something comes, something inhabits you and, and makes you want to just like Hunker. stay in there and be cold. And it's like the guys that are good about it are the guys that just, you look and instead of hanging around talking, they're just like walking up and down a little hill. Yeah. Yeah. And they're totally fine. Well, it was weird how totally we comfortable. we got sweaty, even though yeah. it's like nine degrees out. Uh-huh. You know, there's you know a lot of times we're fucking sweaty, moving yeah. around a lot. That's why cotton pills. kills, right? You don't yep. want to get sweat. You got to have wool. The opposite of that yeah. is: Are you familiar with paradoxical? You ever hear of paradoxical undressing? No. It's like when people uh, oh when freeze they, to death. Yeah, they start people find hypothermia. Yeah. Like victims of hypothermia, they'll they'll often have they'll often shed their clothes, yeah. but in erratic ways, taking jewelry off. Um, like they get taking hot, right? one sock off. But there's this thing that happens where you spend, like, like your body, when you start getting cold, your body spends a lot of energy. Um, it, it, it constricts certain blood vessels and, and stops the flow of, of blood out to your extremities, like to the tip of your nose. You know, when you get cold, like, tip of your nose will get kind of numb mm-hmm. and whitish. Your fingers get that way. Like, your body's working really hard to, to stave off heat loss, so it doesn't want to send as much blood out to places that lose blood easily. But as you tire and you start to peter out, that gives way. Your body can't expend the energy necessary to do that, and it opens those up, and it's a rush of heat. 
So it's like your your fingers have gotten very cold, your limbs have gotten very cold, your face has gotten very cold, and all of a sudden your body's like, blah, I can't do it anymore. And all that hot blood rushes out of those things, and people apparently get this feeling of intense heat. Wow. Right and before then start, they Yeah, and then so they'll find someone, and it's always like, you know, he's got some clothes over here, and his wedding ring's laying over that way, and, you know. Jeez. Fuck. Nah, wedding awful, rings man. burn. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> You know what, man? I got I just I was down fishing in Florida and I got bit up by black flies real bad and uh and for the first time since I got married I took my wedding off for a day. And uh I felt so good. Oh, I felt so, I got like a guilty conscious feeling. <laughs> and I had to put it back on even though it's uncomfortable cuz I just felt guilty. And then I get here and I'm looking through my bag and find my wife's wedding wedding ring in my backpack because like a week ago she didn't know where to put it and I put it in my backpack. I called her like, "Do you even know?" Like, do you even wonder where you went? <laughs> you just hear a bunch of dudes in the background. Come back to the hot tub. I know. I didn't know we I, had a hot tub in our house. I'm sitting here, like, like, trying to scratch under mine, you know, and then hers is just in some unknown location to yeah. her. I left, my, uh, I left my wedding ring at a spa where I got a massage from a dude. Oh, <laughs> so I go. Great. I've been getting – I get massages from dudes now. I gave Why? up because girls can't do it yeah, hard they enough. Can't, yeah. They can't. I need, I need deep tissue, and it's, it's brutal. It's yeah. painful. It doesn't feel good, but you got to have a man doing it because right. women just – they're not strong enough to do it. Yeah. Some women are. They use their elbows really well, but no. I, 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 pref- have to, I, have I prefer it. Borderline. He has, to, he has to have a mustache. Borderline violent. Is that hard to come with a guy though? It's not that hard. <laughs> so um, anyway, um, I I go and I come back and she always makes fun of me for getting massaged by dudes, right? And then I go, fuck! I left my wedding ring there. So I run back. I get the wedding ring. I come back home. She goes, was it in his ass? Was <laughs> 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 it? Hilarious. It's so awesome. Oh, yeah. It was fucking oh, hilarious. By the way, did you actually go to Dick Party in My Mouth and see what that was? No, I just made that up. Go check it out. Is it real? Yeah, go check it out. It's oh, hilarious. Powerful. Dick Party. We were talking about um, who is domain name privacy, that when you register a domain, you can also register it anonymously so right. people don't know who owns dickpartyinmymouth.com. Yeah, you're going to be surprised, though. Why, why was it surprising? Because it's, it's pretty shocking. Okay. Dude. I was going to tell you at the beginning. but Pretty uh, shocking? Yeah. I would think with the URL, I mean, like, how what are you on? <laughs> what's your yeah. next? What's your next like, trip? Like how do you talk? It's how do you all talk about. The URL? It's, it's exactly. all about the Constitution. How weird is this? That's it. <laughs> oh, it is. Oh, it's desquad.tv. <laughs> That's hilarious. Did you just transfer it? I bought that during the commercial. Oh, and, that's and hilarious. Signed up and everything. That's a good move, man. That's a smart move. And how, how much does something like that cost? Thirteen bucks. Because I used to keep on code Rogan and save ten percent. Yeah. Hey guys, guys, while them. we're doing this, just are you not gonna you know. fucking pump up your shows? No, I would never you? do that. Are you gonna try to tell people where you're gonna do no, comedy? No, if you if you happen to be in Edmonton, April twenty fifth, twenty sixth, twenty seventh, twenty eighth, then come to the comic strip if you're there. I mean, but otherwise, don't. Steve, you are the the you're the only hunting show that I know of that shows on a regular basis. You'll show if you get skunked, you know. Yeah, we call them skunkers. Oh, yeah, wait, what do you, you mean? you'll show. You, he'll have a whole episode. Like there was an episode where you were um, going after Owadad, was it? Mm-hmm. That one you got so close, but it was like too dark for you to like. We've done four. We've done four skunkers. Skunker, skunker mean you don't you can't get, get nothing. Oh, I thought you, you were talking about nothing. getting skunked like no, a skunk. No, 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 no. Oh. Skunked like in no, zero. No, man. Like skunk, yeah, skunk is like not getting anything. Yeah. And, um, the first time we filmed a skunker, I'll stop using that lingo. The first time no, we filmed an unsuccessful hunt. Right. Um, I was very nervous, and I was trying to make the case that we uh, wouldn't air it. I don't know why. Now it seems stupid, but at the time it seemed like a good idea that we wouldn't air it. 
And then one time we went out, we went to hunt mountain lions with hounds with a friend of mine and yeah. went and spent six days hunting, didn't get anything, came back, went back out again, spent, I think, seven days hunting, didn't get anything. And at that point, we just had it. So then we cut that into one. And oftentimes it winds up being that, um, not oftentimes, it's almost like the norm in a way, is people will then pick those out as their favorite shows. Really? Yeah. You know? And I think it gets back to that thing I was talking about earlier, like, is um, is that whole thing of, like, courting uncertainty. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, like things that are challenging and, yeah. and things you won't figure out. So I think people like to see that represented. Also, I'll say that there's a big rift in um, in hunting as experienced by the American sportsman and hunting as seen on hunting television. Mm -hmm. You know, for me growing up, like we would start hunting deer with a bow on October 1 and you could hunt deer right up almost to rifle season, which was November 15th. Then you had 10 days to hunt with a rifle. Then you'd pick your bow back up and you'd hunt to December 31st. And it would be plausible that you would hunt pretty hard through that whole thing and never get a deer. It was just the thing that happened, man. You would like, you know, most years you get deer, but it'd be, you, you might not. And there's a lot of guys right now, like right now it's turkey season. There's a lot of guys around this country facing the prospect that they worked pretty hard and hunted five, six, seven days, and they won't get a turkey. So I think that people, and, and I think that like the assumption is always that uh, people do want to get something and they do. And so when they're watching something like when they're watching television, that's a form of escapism. And so you want to see people achieve what you wish you achieved, you know? And so right. there would be a thing like you'd want to go and see, like I dream of killing a big buck. I want to watch a guy shoot 10 big bucks, you know? And that's like one form of entertainment. But I think at the same time, people like to see in some way their life reflected back to them. I, you know? I, I, I think hmm. more and more people actually are going the route that you just described. They want to see that, that authentic experience, especially because a lot of reality TV now is very unrealistic. Yeah. It's very hey man, you got to pull up to that mic. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's okay. It's, uh, just, it's so hard. Yeah, for no. Folks. But a lot of reality TV right now is is not scripted. really reality TV. Yeah. It's scripted. Yeah. You know, and so there is something completely unscripted. You know, it's real if you're watching Meat Eater and you don't get anything. I think I mean, you know that's a real show. Yeah, you know that really happened. Yeah, I think it, wasn't, it wasn't like we actually got a bunch of stuff. And then said, well, <laughs> it's got to be better to just you know show that sometimes you don't exactly. But yeah. you know, and, and that's the thing. I mean, you talk to anybody who's hunted for for any amount of time. And a huge part of the hunting is, is is about going out with the guys that, that you're going hunting with. And mm -hmm. it's about the experience. It's not about what you bring home in terms of the, the, the game. Right. It's what you bring home up here and, and in here. Yeah, I think um, it's important to show that you don't always get something because it's you're you're it's a real show. The, everything you're doing is real, you know, and that's a that's part of the whole thing. You gotta it's got to be a part of the the whole pre presentation. It also lends to the drama. Yeah, when you actually, when there are some shows you don't get it, so now and that our dad sheep one was a great one, even though you didn't get one. It's just like seeing you like in the dusk where it was just getting like you're like I need five more minutes. Five more minutes of fucking light, and you just yeah, couldn't get yeah. it. You're like shit, like you had it. You you had the you know you had it right in your sights. That's real. The mountain lion thing is real. And I wanted to talk to you about the mountain lion thing for a well, couple. Let me, let me. I want to add one thing to the, what you're saying. I do want to talk about the mountain lion thing because the jaguar thing too. But yeah, um, we did have a guy email one time. All the emails you get, like people saying, "I love that you show like some failure." We had an email from a guy who 
was vowing he'll never watch the show again because <laughs> he has enough failure in his life <laughs> and, doesn't, <laughs> and doesn't want to see that's hilarious and doesn't want to see other people fail that's hilarious <laughs> that's so awesome i gotta appreciate that's so him. honest yeah me too i, I gotta appreciate that, that guy <laughs> that's true i mean it is a life. fucking tv show and if <laughs> I'll tell you what, I watch Ted Nugent every week, goddammit, he never misses. That's like Steve Burns' joke where a girl calls up and she's like, you'll never guess what almost happened. He's like, nothing, because it was almost click. And he just hangs up. Ted like, Nugent shoots, he'll shoot three deer with a bow and arrow in the first five minutes of a show. Yeah. And I'm not bullshitting. Right. He shot three deer with land. bows and arrows. Yeah. I mean, it's, and the, my my favorite part about it, he, he, after he shoots a deer, he goes, can you believe that? <laughs> How do you believe you just fucking did? You just shot one five minutes ago. <laughs> I don't know what kind of limits Ted Nugent has in his backyard. I don't, uh, know. I don't know if it's like a land management <laughs> no, no issue, limits. you know, where you can you can make the the call if you got a high fence operation in Texas. Like how many you decide yeah, you, you to take out? Become, you, you can do you do your own management. Yeah, I don't know. that's management. It's, he's sitting up there in a fucking tree stand, blasting deer with his bow and arrow. Yeah, there's a lot of variability. It surprises people that it surprises people that that. Don't like have a familiarity with hunting. One, it surprises people that there's regulations at all. Sometimes, like if you grow up, you know, I, I have friends in New York who are pleasantly surprised to hear that wild game is managed. You know, right? And then I think also beyond that, it's surprising to people the very the variations from the different states, their strategy mm-hmm. in in how they're managing. And I think a lot of it comes down to what a lot of it comes down to how much the state's public and like Texas. They even got a school tr- got rid of school trust land. So like, it used to be that uh, one in every thirty six sections belonged to the state, and they could use that to either build schools on or use that land to fund school construction. And they threw mineral leasing or timber rights or whatever. And at a point, Texas even scrapped that. They even sold that off into private interest. So they, it's like hmm. there really is like public trust wildlife isn't as vital in a place like Texas because there's not publicly owned land with publicly owned wildlife on it wow you know that's kind of crazy isn't it yeah in a state you take like a state like you, mean, you, guys you mean state, everything is privately yeah, yeah. I mean, a state like you guys that you guys have humongous national forests right. so there's a lot of public trust land and public mm-hmm. trust wildlife in a place like california so yet you, you have a you have a, the, the government plays a much stronger hand and a much more detail-oriented hand and like what's happening in all this stuff was our harvest like and in some states where it kind of tends to be like, well, it's your land, you figure it out. Your um, show on the mountain lions, uh, one of the specific reasons I wanted to bring that up is because the the idea of hunting with hogs, or hunting with dogs, rather, is yeah. uh, they, they've... That, that, that wouldn't work funny. at all. Not gonna two hogs. <laughs> Why chains. I can't get I cannot get a mountain lion with these stupid hogs. <laughs> God, <laughs> dude, I, I'm sorry. My iPhone wrote hogs. I meant you need trained dogs. <laughs> Fuck, man. Oh, I was confused. Dog hogs and dogs. Hunter. I told Shit. people I'm a hunter. Now I, I look like an asshole on Facebook. <laughs> I named my, my hog Fido. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> In California, you can't hunt with dogs anymore, and uh, people, uh, some people are concerned about that. I've heard people say that they're worried that the mountain lion population is going to get too strong if they do that, especially people who have lost dogs or who know people who have been, uh, you know, fucking bikers and shit that get taken out. Um, but California doesn't allow it anymore. Coincidentally, I saw a mountain lion 
last week in Santa Barbara. Uh, did you really? You did? Yeah. Small mountain lion. It wasn't very big. I thought it was a coyote at first. But it wasn't, you know how coyotes, they move kind of stiff? This thing had like this bounce to it. And yeah, I saw the tail. Yeah. That's I a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't a bobcat? No, it was a tail. It had a long tail. It was a mountain lion. It was wow. probably 70 pounds. Wow. You know? Yeah. I think you're seeing like, and I don't mean to say that. Like, I hate to, I don't want to sound like, you know, like taking cheap shots, at, you know, at California or anything. But you're seeing a pretty, uh, a real erosion of, um, you know, of hunting right, like a, a gradual, not even gradual, pretty steady erosion of hunting rights in California. There was a debate uh, that I did. But that's because not. Because it's easy, because there's a thing that, and it, there's a thing, I, I mentioned this somewhere in something I wrote, where you can go to Americans, like you can go to the American public and say like, yes or no, like, do you approve of of regulated hunting, okay? And you get, the, the vast majority of Americans, will, it, it's something ridiculous, like 74% or 75% of Americans um, will say like, yes, I approve of hunting. But then you start asking them specifics, you know, like, well, how about hunting with dogs? Right. And then th- those numbers start to go down. Right. When you start, cause, cause you can kind of, it's easy to sell people on the idea. It's easy to sell people who've never seen a hunting dog or never had experience with a hunting dog, have never laid eyes on a lion. It's easy to sell them on the idea that somehow there's no challenge in it. Mm. Right, you know, and so then you can you can a, a, a way to chip away, like a way to chip away at liberty, like personal liberty and stuff, is just to do like one little thing at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll do this, and we'll do that, we'll do this, and we'll do that, and so like there'll never be a thing like we'll ban hunting. It'll just be that well, you can't hunt on, on this kind of land. You know, you can't hunt this kind of animal this way. Well, in fact, we don't want you hunting that kind of animal at all. And, and you see that in certain places. Colorado's had some experience with that. We got the lead ammo, a... You got the lead ammo ban in the uh, California condor range mm. yep. that they're trying to expand statewide. So you couldn't use lead ammo to hunt at all. Well, there was even big... in places where there are no <clears throat> even the places where there are no condors. Right. I heard a big debate um, about this mountain lion issue. And one of the things that the guy from the Fish and Game Wildlife Service said is, what you guys don't realize is if you're actually a preservationist, the majority of money that we collect to preserve the land you like to hike in comes from hunters. It comes from hunting licenses. That's where the Fish and Wildlife Service and, and these different organizations that are responsible for maintenance of the land that is hunted, hiked on, and camped on, that's the, the 90, some crazy amount, 95%, some crazy amount, I can't remember the percentage, comes from hunters and the dues and fees they have to pay to hunt that land. So I think that the debate has to be couched in those terms, too. If you, if you really wanted to get rid of hunters, we wouldn't have revenue to actually maintain well, I think there's that, also this parks. need to uh, appease a certain liberal sub, um, part of the population that mm. is very uncomfortable with hunting in the first place and would like to look at people hunting with dogs as, okay, Jesus Christ, that's barbaric. You're sicking dogs on them, and then you're shooting them. Mm. Like, it's poor defenseless animals. I understand but that. There's, yeah. But there's – especially when it comes to predators, there's a population management issue that they're not willing to address. And if you don't address that – you're going to deal with it in the suburbs, okay? They just shot a fucking mountain lion with a tranquilizer dart in Glendale the other day. Yeah, wow. it's all in the news. And uh, they wow. killed that one in Santa Monica a year ago that was 90 fucking pounds. I saw one in Santa Barbara the other day. I mean, it, I'm not comfortable, like, with those things, like, getting more popular. Yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 never, I'm never comfortable with terms, like, like, overpopulated because it's just, like, I don't know really how to define it, but overpopulated in the sense that you're going to wind up seeing impacts that might be 
counter to what it is you're going after. Mm -hmm. You know, like you'll lose in, in fringe areas, you might lose species to, to predation and have predation have a serious effect on species that you maybe will want back at some Isn't point. Isn't that what time. happened with wolves in Yellowstone? Isn't that what is happening? Or? Yeah. Yeah, they're, sure. they're I mean, having issues. like with... a radical, radical decline. A radical, very localized decline in elk and moose. Okay? And it's hard for people. If you look at a map of the country, and what used to be wolf territory, and, and, and at the time of European contact, it was wolf country. The country, you know, the entire nation was in some way or another had, had wolves. Not the entire place, but a lot of it had wolves. Now, let's say you're a guy and you live in Colorado, all right? And you hear that they're hunting wolves in Montana. You're probably thinking, but we don't even have wolves in Colorado. Or we do, but it's, there's not many, and it's kind of controversial whether there's a stable breeding population or not. And you're telling me that they're killing them right up in Montana. Because it's hard for people to visualize the localized impact of these things. So you can have too many wolves in Montana and then jump down through Wyoming and you enter Colorado, and you could have not enough. Mm. You know why is that? What, what, do wolves? I guess they stay within a certain territory. They stay within a certain territory, <laughs> and they have a really—I mean—they have a profound effect on stuff. You got to think like, have you guys been to Yellowstone National Park? Yeah. When okay. I was a kid, yeah. Yellowstone National Park. You know, the last like Yellowstone National Park was hunted for you know nine or ten thousand years. I think the oldest artifact they found that they have reliably data from Yellowstone, something like a spear point from nine thousand years ago. God, so had, had, that was mine. Yeah, it's Joe's. But the last hundred years, no one's hunted it. It's you know? kind of a lie. Yellowstone Park, when Yellowstone Park became a park, there was still an Indian war. Like, the Nez Perce went through there and killed some tourists while they were fleeing the U.S. military, okay? After that, they banned hunting in Yellowstone National Park. Anyone who goes to Yellowstone National Park now will see the way the elk and everything just, like, has no concern for humans, right? Wow. They've ruled out that humans are troublesome. So you had this long absence of, of no wolves in that ecosystem. And when you put wolves back in, it's just taken those animals a really long time to figure out, to oh. get back wow. to to get back to knowing what it's going to be. And so we had inflated we had inflated numbers of elk, and some would argue inflated numbers of elk, some would argue inflated numbers of moose. And when the wolves came back, it's just, I mean, just plowed them into the ground. There's talk. There's Hurt mountain ranges that maybe had nine thousand elk. Now they're down to less than two thousand. Oh my! I was God. talking with a guy from a conservation organization that deals with elk, and they're looking at the very real probability of if the wolf situation ever does get under control in that area of having to reintroduce elk into some mountain ranges because there's a paucity of breeding wow. age females. Wow. Oh my God! Because they're all getting killed by wolves. And and it's just and, and like Jesus. But you, I, still have, but you still have groups that are trying to stop the wolf hunts in Montana, in in uh, Idaho. Well, the problem is also I heard you can't actually you can't shoot your way out of this problem when it comes to wolves. In fact, you I was poison. surprised to hear that. Yeah, but then that 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 poisons Drones. boxes and all that. Drones. Yeah, uh, you're talking, Joe Rogan. Look, I've never been a fan of wolves. People uh, pr try to pretend they're dogs and get all attached to them because you know it looks like your collie. That's a fucking wolf, and that'll eat you. And they've eaten people before. In fact, I, I told a story on the podcast about France. France? Did I say it, Brian? France? Did you say oh, France? the wolves that used to come in there. Mean, 40 fucking people before they cornered them and killed them. I mean, they've always worried. eaten uh, no people. No one's really, I mean, I don't think there's any real argument you made that there's a human risk. Yeah. Not yet. The highway's no, not more No, but there's, there's an argument you made that there's an ecological risk. I think there's still a human risk. 
I think if you get around a big pack of them and you just a child happens to be in that area while that's all going down, someone sneaks out of a house and they have a farm and like. But that's I not had, a there, reason. There's to... a story I read online about this woman who was uh, watching these wolves tear apart sheep in her backyard. It was fucking wild, man. They don't man. play around. She said they got into this, uh, they had a pen of sheep, and they, they got in, and there was like four or five wolves were just yeah. running through, ripping these sheep apart. And you just heard these horrific noises of tearing and growling oh, and yeah. horrible sheep screams. Yeah, and it's all just... <laughs> and she's looking out the window watching this going, holy fuck. Yeah. Imagine that. That's going down in your yard. And then they know that this is a, this how, is a place where is food is. How big is it? Timberwolf. They get up to like 120, 130 pounds. Yeah, I think bigger than that. Well, the, the, know, the real big ones that they're experiencing now, I mean, these, these deer are getting very large from eating all these elk and uh, eating all these deer that didn't know they were coming. There's people that are shooting them. They're taking pictures of them. And you would swear it's a Photoshop. I mean, these are enormous yeah, fucking big. wolves. So you're like, guys holding them and the thing like looks as long as them. Oh, I mean, I don't know what it weighs. I mean, it's more than 150 pounds. Yeah. They're big dogs wow. or big wolves. I actually like, you know, I don't want to get rid of all the wolves, man. Like I support, right. I support wolf recovery. Cam, you got—I mean, you deal with wild—not so much wildlife politics, but sort of like public perception, public opinion. Would you say that? I mean, hunters being billed as being wanting to destroy wolves, but I think it's not really—that's no, not what I hear. No, see, it's not know? about destroying the wolf. It's just pull that mic up, brother. Pull, pull that mic up. It's about getting that balance back. You right. know, I mean, that's the thing. So you've got these groups that are out there trying to stop the wolf hunt. Uh, they want to put the wolf back on the endangered species list, even though the wolf is no longer endangered. The wolf isn't threatened in these areas. Again, these local areas that we're talking about here in, in, you know, in the state of Idaho, the state of Montana. Um, there, there is a way to try to manage the wildlife so you get that balance. But right now, what, what you've seen is sort of it's out of whack. And right now the wolf has the advantage. And we're continuing to give the advantage to the wolf in some of these states. And I think that's why you're trying to that, – that's where that, that, that battle comes in right now. Well, no one wants to see – I don't think anybody wants to see wolves. There's these people, these yeah. unrealistic urban people, and that's really what it boils down to. Oh, yeah. The people that are really – almost all the people that are against uh, hunting or against uh, the, the idea of uh, wildlife, <laughs> uh, wildlife management, almost all of them live in cities. When, when people live in a place where you, you – You have to contend with it. Someone has to be the top predator, and if it's not going to be a person – it's not going to be people, and you're living around these animals, it's going to be them. And that's just the reality of the food chain of life. If you're a, a, a meek person and you're wandering around through the woods and you stumble into a pack of hungry wolves that haven't seen an elk because they've decimated the population, mm. they'll kill you. Mm. I mean, that's reality. Especially if you're Might a not happen, might not happen, but it, it's happened before. A woman died in Alaska recently. She was killed by wolves. And um, she was also wearing an elk suit. Too. Yeah, Another, but that was the first documented case in a long time. Yeah, it was like a hundred years. And right? in that state, I think that ninety percent of the ninety-five percent of traditional wolf habitat in Alaska is still occupied by wolves. Wow! And they and they have very very few fatalities. Like I think that moose kill more people. Yeah, they do. There than anything else. Yellowstone National Park, right. the greatest cause of injury in Yellowstone National Park, is getting gored by a buffalo. Dude, my yeah, my parents live sense. in Utah There's... in Park City. You know what they always tell you? The locals they go, "Hey, be careful of moose. Please don't think of them as deer. Do oh, not yeah. approach them." And what do people do? They're like, "There's a moose. Going to take a picture." And the moose yeah. is like, "Nah, I'm going to trample you now." People get killed by moose. Yeah, they'll fuck you up. Well, people yeah. are, you look, uh, again, you should say, you know, urban areas, a lot of people who, who grow up in urban areas, only live in urban areas, have very unrealistic expectations of what 
animals are. Yeah. They have this anthropomorphic, you know, mm-hmm. oh, it's it's yeah. Thumper and it's Bambi, and they don't yeah. understand. No, they, you know, I just became a, uh, a, a, a farmer now. So I have pigs and I have chickens and I, it's, it's so completely different to actually like sit down and study these animals. Are you where, doing it for, farm? for your, for a business? Are you doing it for meat or for, to provide for yourself? Or? Yes. All of the above. I mean, yeah. eventually I'd like to get to the point where I can sell some, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we're doing uh, heritage livestock and I was like where just is, where is it? discussing doing something like this recently. I was yeah. like, it seems like if you have resources, and you could get a plot of land and hire people to take care of it and grow it and have animals that you slaughter there and have food that you grow there. Like, why wouldn't you do that? I agree. If you could do that, why wouldn't you do that? Right. Absolutely. But, you know, it's like I, I, it drives me crazy to hear these people say, oh, but look, the pig is smiling and the pig is happy uh, and the pig is the pig loves you. And how are you going to kill that pig and turn it into bacon? I'm telling you, the pig doesn't love me. The pig, the pig is a pig. The pig me. doesn't know. He might well, love I mean, you I'm too. a lovable guy, but uh, you know, Can I be honest with you. The point is, yes, you are. The, yes, you are. I think yeah, a, we'll talk later. A good way to look at man it is thoughts. That pig have some man thoughts together. <laughs> good way to look at it is that Bozo pig is not going to live forever. If you don't kill that pig, it's not going to turn into a fairy and cure cancer. It's a fucking pig. They live well, to I, be about 15, and then they die. Fairy. I mean, I keep and when they these die, people. if you don't eat them before they die, you r- lose all the delicious meat. This pig, the pigs that I have on my farm, would not exist. Unless we were going to eat them, that's the only. By reason that why logic, they were you could make your own kids and start eating them. <laughs> well, we were You'd talking about like, cannibalism earlier. <laughs> I, I made kids because where I live, it's it gets child. cold. Yeah, no, see, I made kids for the free labor. <laughs> see, I've got. I'm like Steve. I've got five, and hell yeah, it's about doing the chores five. and all the stuff I don't want to do. Well, Get out there and mow my yard. How many? How many do you have? Pull it up. Three. Oh, you have three. Yeah. So you're. You you don't have a you don't have the facility where you would do this. This agriculture? No, no, I don't. But I would, I would think about buying a piece of land. Yeah, just getting something. Popping That's a good out. idea, man. It looks sweet because it'd be like prominent podcast host, comic, actor, and farmer Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> I think it makes it's, it's. Well, I have chickens. You know, just just recently got chickens so that I could uh, eat their eggs. But uh, I've been thinking about this for a while. Like everybody's like worried about GMO foods, and everybody's worried about like. You know, Monsanto, and they're worried about what's organic, what's not organic, and what are the standards. And if you own. grow your own shit, you know exactly what it is. And yeah. you can take care of your soil. Italy, still. Italy, if you go through, I took a train. I'm not going from, to Italy. Oh, I Stop. took a train from the north. He's to trying the to south. become sophisticated again. Yeah, but he's, he's going got, he's got it. When, Don't you have This will read into when, a story about you someone famous he knows. Oh, when I went to Italy, uh, for me, I say Italy. Um, uh, everybody in their backyard grows their own food. Like, it's so common. It's my grandfather used to do that, People's backyards are gardens, man. My grandfather did not have a big yard in New Jersey, but yeah. every part of the... get You got coconut water? What do you want, man? You want oh, coffee? Oh, yeah, I'll take coconut water. You want a coffee? Yeah. You, want, you ever have no. bulletproof coffee? Do you know what bulletproof coffee... Do we have well, any you more? explain it to me. Yeah, bulletproof no coffee I'll is... Uh, no, not just no mold. No do mold. we have any more? Okay, make some oh, more. No, yeah, no, I don't want to trouble. I don't want Son, tr- it's not trouble. We're here. We're partying. Let's All get this right, freaking. You want a beer? Is anyone on a beer? I beg oh, your pardon, yeah, sir. Yeah, yeah. A couple beers. Yeah, hey, Jamie, fun. bring out some beers, man. Beers? That's right, son. Dick party. <laughs> what? Dick party in your mouth. Dot com. You said dick party. Now um, I have a boner. <laughs> I forgot exactly what we were talking about. Gardens but, um, and the, uh, yeah, thank you. Becoming a farmer. The idea's been fucking around with me uh, for the, the past couple of months. I didn't know you got chickens, man. So yeah. you could just have them right at your house. Yeah, built a chicken coop. Do you have somebody do- taking care of it, or is it just real easy? Like, no, it was... it's not that hard. Not I, that just, hard. I just built a, a planter. I didn't. My, yeah, beers. Lie, yeah. 
I had a planter built. <laughs> I just think it's a great idea, and I think that the idea of uh, relying on somebody else for your own food ultimately is like, why would you do that if you have the resources? Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and is there only one left? Is that what it is? Bring them all out. Um, the, um, the, you know, the idea that we, we, we all rely on supermarkets. You know, you look at what happened with Hurricane Sandy. New York got shut down. Uh, I was talking to my buddy Tommy. He's like, I had to drive hours just to be able to use my cell phone. You know, the towers were down. Everything was down. There's no power. Everything was fucked. And, uh, you know, him talking about it, he's like, dude, that was scary as shit, man. He goes, because I realized, like, this whole thing is, like, very fragile. Like, if you don't know where your food's coming from, he goes, we went to the supermarket, and it was just insane. It was just empty shelf after empty shelf. People had just taken everything. There was nothing left. Yeah. So there's, well, there's not a supply. Sam, dude, Sam, I, Sam, what about water? We don't, I don't have any yeah. water reserves. Oh, yeah. oh, I don't yeah. have underground tunnels. I have nothing. Exactly. I'm not, I save I'm not in my basement now. I'm getting to be, like, an old, weird man where I save, um... Freeze dried food and stuff in my basement. Very smart. You know? But very you know, I, I still haven't done the the water things. The one you got to do, I got to yeah. get you know water tank. That's, but, well, a, big, that's a big one. The, the yeah. farming deal, home farming. My brother, he has those pack llamas. You seen those pack? Yeah, llamas? I love those things. So, he bought a, a ten acre pasture, like a very unpicturesque, just like a irrigated pasture, and realized that his llamas would just inhabit like a back corner and wouldn't use diddly of this pasture. So just because he's just a pragmatic, resourceful person. And he thought, it's out there. It's getting wet and growing grass. So he started putting out lambs. So he put out goats. Now he's got a calf out there. And this guy, he hunts so much, so he hunts all of his own meat, and he eats the meat he hunts. And he just puts it out there and takes care of it, makes sure it has water, and then, like, gives all that stuff to his friends who come over and butcher the lambs and take them home and feed them to their kids. It's just kind of a sense of, like, if the land's there, you know what right. I mean? It's like, it's there, it's been manipulated by man. It's not like he's preserving some kind of, like, you know, primeval ecosystem. It's just an irrigated pasture of alfalfa. Right. He's like, why not just have that be, like, have output? Right. Well, can you know, it's just pleasant totally. to look out my window and be like, it's producing. Yeah. It's yeah. producing things. Well, when you yeah. have, when you have, um, when you have an acre of land or whatever that is, and it's, he's growing alfalfa, is that all you need for the animal to live? Basically, you just put it out there and they just live on that. Well, I'm delving way into stuff I don't understand now, but I know that Camper, I speak this better because that he's got alfalfa, but it's an old alfalfa field. So I think people typically. In some areas, I know, replant alfalfa every seven years because eventually the alfalfa loses out to other plant species. Mm. It's my understanding, I don't know for sure, that there's a lot of animals, if you go out and put them on just that, I'm sure there's a lot of guys that know a lot about this, like, cringing right now. If you go out and put them on (laughs) just alfalfa, it's considered to be like a hot food, and they'll, they'll overeat. It's too rich. Huh. And it can damage themselves if you put them out on just like pure alfalfa. That's interesting huh. because I read that deer that eat out of alfalfa fields are delicious. That they they actually have like a little more. Yeah, fat n- to some them. species can hack it. But I know. I think that I've been told that um, horses. Does any of this make sense to you? Uh, a little bit, but I'm more pig and chicken as opposed to uh, lamb and stuff. But, Does that make sense with alfalfa making the deer taste better? Yeah, I think it would. But the deer is not going to just be eating alfalfa either. I mean, the deer is going to be, you know, roaming and, and getting a lot of acorns and yeah. Right. I how mean, much, like, how much land as a farmer do you need to grow, you know, your own meat and your own vegetables? Not much, not man. Much. I mean, really, not much. You could do it on. So we've got 40 acres, but right now we're only using about four. And we've got, you know, we've got our big garden. We've got our chickens that are free-ranging. We've got the pigs. We're going to be getting some dairy goats. And really, like, uh, you know, Dude, you don't – and, and really, smart. four acres is 
we don't even use all that space. I mean, they're spread out. The pigs are over here. The chickens are over here. Uh, you know, the goats are out in another uh, outer pasture. But you guys could ra- you guys could feed like thirty people off forty acres, oh, yeah. or, or way more. Well, yeah. that's why you know eventually, like what we want to do is is to get into the business side of it and to start. You know, selling some stuff and 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 really even like some of the vegetables. Uh, you know, I want to do a uh, want to do a pickle company one day. I want to start pickling shit. And you know, hmm. what are your what are your pigs? Pig. What do you feed your pigs? So right now, the assholes, <laughs> <laughs> assholes, <laughs> human assholes, TSA workers. Yeah, um, we have pig feed right now that they sell in like big old dog food bags. We go to Tractor Supply and get. Fifty pound bags of pig feed. They 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 eat the roots in the pig pen, and then we're gonna uh, we're about ready to move them out to a bigger uh, area that's gonna be about an acre, and they'll they'll wander around. They'll they'll eat. You they know what? Like, they must when eat I was, a shitload though. When I was oh, a kid, dude, never stop. When I was a kid, my stepdad was uh, he was in school, and one of the agriculture classes that he had to take was like this co op farm that people in the st- in the school all did together. They had animals, and they they grew plants, and I mean it was like a pretty like involved thing. And I remember even as a kid saying, what a cool idea, the idea that they all like chip in together. Everybody does like a little piece of something and everyone sort of communicates what's what needs to get done. And if you think about that in a real neighborhood, man, you could have as long as you had the soil and as long as you had the, the resources to get it started and then and then, you know, make it so it's self-sufficient. If you had a sizable piece of land and everybody sort of chipped in and you grew livestock and you grew plants and, you know, you fed them and everything, like, it seems like would be so economically manageable. I mean, like, I people agree. would get all their food. Can you imagine if, like, we all got all our food from, like, a lot down the corner where we all knew that this goat had eaten all these food this that is, we had given it, and, you know, you knew exactly happening. where the tomato came from because you put the fucking seed in the ground. This is happening to the point where in cities now they have flatbed trucks that you can rent where you have a flatbed truck, they got a bunch of... Um, soil on that flatbed truck. They're also doing it on roofs. And so what you, people are doing is getting timeshares and saying, I want to buy a share of that flatbed truck. Flatbed truck comes out, you garden it, yeah. you take your vegetables for the day, and it moves on to the next house. Also, they're doing it with, like, there's a lot of roof space. Like, in China, they built a whole city, I guess, where the roofs are basically planters to grow the food for the city. Well, I just saw a story a out great, of Chicago where they're using, like, some of the old warehouses... And yeah. they're just turning them into indoor farms. Did you basically. see yeah. those two CIA workers whose house got broken into in Kansas? The fucking DEA came in, guns blazing, because they thought these people were growing weed. Yes. And they were former CIA <laughs> agents, and they were growing tomatoes and vegetables in their basement. Right. They had a whole hydroponic, hydroponic vegetable thing. system set up with lights. and Well, they these assholes drive around looking for a, yeah. a heat signature from your home that shows that you're using some extraordinary amount of light, which mostly people are using to, to to grow weed. So they come in, fucking guns out and, you know, DEA, dogs and shit. No, no pot! And it's two fucking former CIA agents going, you <laughs> crazy assholes! The fuck is wrong with you? How about you knock on the door, I show you my badge, and my fucking tomatoes. Right. You know, I wanna, I wanna... <laughs> right. Right. How about you do a fucking search of the guy who lives there? Oh, it's that CIA guy. <laughs> let's fucking let's let's go arrest him and his wife. They're probably selling weed. CIA. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Crazy um, fucks. We we had this thing happen recently where it was like this perfect uh, uh, 
cohesion of hunting and farming where um we were down in florida and we were hunting turkeys on this guy's ranch and the guy keeps coming and, and getting us because he wants us to go out at night and run hogs uh. with his hound dogs and what it is, is he's got a cattle ranch this is near okeechobee florida and there's a I heard two figures, 55,000 or 45,000 acre nature preserve down there. It has a lot of rare native birds on it. And the nature preserve's MO is they just acquire agricultural land when it comes up for sale. And they take out the dike systems and, and, and put it back in the bird habitat. And it's funny because this guy actually has sold this preserve some of his land. And he is putting his whole place into a conservation easement. So that at a time, he's like, my whole place is going to be part of that. And he was he was actually glad about it. He liked, he liked the preserve. But... A big enemy of the preserve is wild pigs, mm. which consume a lot of ground-nesting shorebird eggs. So they have a guy. The preserve is so tight, so tightly administered that you can't, in most areas, you can't even walk around in there. Okay, And they have a guy that contracts to kill wild pigs. So this guy has a, a contract where he's supposed to kill X number of pigs every year. He can't in any way keep up with them. This guy that has his cattle ranch likes to hunt pigs. And he would always go back and hunt the, the boundary between his ranch and the preserve. Because so many, there's a, such a great influx of pigs coming off the preserve at night, coming onto his ranch to get into you know less utilized land, and uh, but his dogs would chase him, and the pigs would promptly run back into that preserve where he couldn't pursue them. So he gets some hog-proof fence and builds a 400-acre enclosure abutting the preserve. On the wall of his fence that actually adjoins the preserve. He puts in trap doors, hinged doors. Okay? So the pigs can come in and out. And so In, but they can't go out. No, but he, le- he props the door open, okay? <laughs> and he kind of watches, and he's always out there checking for tracks. And after a while, he'll realize there's a lot of pig traffic coming out of the preserve onto his land. Then what he'll do, he knows that they come out. After dark, they come onto his ranch, and before daybreak, they drift back to the preserve. Closes the door. So he goes out at 4 in the morning. And pop, 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 shuts all those doors. He's got these doors strung out for like a mile. He's got them strung out for like a mile every 10 yards. Oh, these little wow. doors with a stick holding them. That's so hilarious. So he just drives this thing down, pulls all the sticks. That's hilarious. And then cuts his dogs loose. Oh, my God. So we go out with him and right away. What the fuck? We go out dogs? Like, are these pit bulls or? Pitbull-esque. I'm not good yeah. enough with dogs. <laughs> yeah. But not no, he's got he's big, got bloodhounds. Overbred dogs pit bulls. With big he's got muscles. trailers and catchers. Yes. Yeah. So two different types of dogs. Yeah, his bloodhounds find them, but they won't he don't like to let the bloodhounds actually catch the pig as the pig in fact one of his dogs got really tore up. But um then he puts a holding dog out, a big pit bull like dog, who secures the pig. Man. The first pig we catch, I mean just barely even those Argentino dogs too. Yeah, those doggo Doggo Argentino, Argentino they, yeah. they use them as well. They use American bulldogs too. Yeah. This guy the first one we get, it's not even dark yet and he get we get one. It's a big boar and he's intact. He's got his nutsack on him still. And the guy like this one's not. Why gonna, do the dogs usually pull well, it off? No, no, I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Just, just hold that piece. Okay, of okay, hold okay, that piece okay. of information from him. Nutsack. He's got or, his nutsack. Hold the nutsack <laughs> for a moment, Joe. And he says this one won't be any good to eat. Like they're too lean. They got a lot of testosterone. They don't take good care of themselves. And he takes his pig. And it's a big pig, you know, not big and you know, like not like the ones you see on the internet, but it's, you know, a sizable 170 pound pig. And he puts it in a trailer, just to confine in there. We go out and hunt again, and a violator, the dogs, bust this other pig out of a, a, out of a palm grove. They call it a hammock, like an island of palm trees out in the grasslands. And they catch it. And this pig's castrated. 
and a castrated, like a boar that's been castrated as a barrel hog. And the incision where they had, where the t hog had been castrated is all healed up. And they told me that we, when we catch a boar, we always castrate it and then turn it back loose. Cause two things happen. One, the pig won't procreate, won't contribute to the problem that the preserve is having and the problem that he has for you know pigs on his land, rooting his area up. And it'll and it'll do what he says is uh, take its mind off grass and put it on. And it'll take its mind off ass and put it on the grass. <laughs> and he says in ninety days that boar will be fantastic eating, and they'll have a layer of fat on him. So we put, we cut the juggler on the castrated pig, and kept it for meat, and it smelled great and was beautiful. The next day, we go out with the boar we caught, and they take a knife and castrate that boar. And turn them out, knowing that sometime down the road they'll be lucky and catch that boar again, and he'll be a barrel, and then he'll be good to eat. So how, these how, boys, how these you, boys do this every week. How man. do you secure? <laughs> how do you secure a boar, a powerful boar's dog. head? Dog. I'm telling you what, no, I mean to, dogs. To it's it's amazing. No, these guys, the dogs take them. Yeah, and but hold these them. guys are yeah. cattle ranchers. Yeah. These guys are cattle ranchers, so they. I mean, it's a daily occurrence for them right. to wrestle. Like, yeah, one, the dog does it because they grab him by the ear, grab him by the head, and pin him down. Now the tracking dogs caught the pig and the pig caught one of the tracking dogs real good and he was going to take that dog to the vet and i asked him i bet your vet probably you know doesn't like you bringing in dogs that probably they may have gotten injured in something that he, the vet might regard as unnecessary or right he goes yeah but that's why i go to a vet who likes to run pigs with his dogs <laughs> Well, once you start realizing how many pigs there are, especially Texas, has millions of feral pigs. Really? Millions. They have a real millions. problem. Millions. Oh, yeah. They have a real problem. Look, I know you don't like that show, Pig Man, but th no, I, no, I, 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 I like it. I, I don't say that. There's this thing. There's like, there's a, I have an it's aesthetic. an anti-intellectualism. I have an aesthetic. I have approach. a hunting aesthetic and an approach to wildlife uh -huh. that, 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 I, that I admire and that I try to stand by. No, I know you do. We we had long conversations about it. So you know? helicopter gunships are, are I, not your. Uh, there's well, it's not it's really not my, hunting. It's not my idea, honey. It's not really hunting. I mean, what they're doing is they're getting away with being psychopaths. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, Brian, pull it up. It's uh, it's eradication it's, of a pest. It's Pigman and Ted Nugent shoot pigs from a helicopter. They give all the money, all, all, of, all the meat to the needy. By the oh way. yeah, look, looks, and by the way, it's a real fucking problem. They really do have to eradicate these these populations of pigs. They they tear up. I mean, they show these crops that are getting fucked up by these pigs in the, in the episode. And these I want, I want, people are desperate. I want some hog. Let's go hunting. Can we do but, that? But this is what I wanted to ask you: What is the the one with his nuts taste like? You didn't tell us that. We haven't cooked it yet. We're cooking it oh. on April twenty fifth. But it won't be as good. You don't think? Maybe. Oh no, no no! I'm sorry. No no. We okay on April twenty fifth. I'm cooking the the castor the barrel hog. Right now, I have eaten boars with their nuts, but I've never eaten a boar that was as aged and like as venerable as that one. You could tell that he was a very old, battle scarred boar and very lean. And these guys, I might have eaten it and thought it was okay. And it might be that these guys have very high expectations. You know. They pig hunt enough where they have a sense of, like, what's best and what's not best. The same way that uh, you might disregard a hot dog, half a hot dog laying on the side of the road, but another person might be in a situation where they'd really appreciate that hot dog. So for these guys who hunt boars a lot, 
and, worst example and of eat all them, time. And <laughs> eat them and like love to eat them. They were like, nah. And when I expressed interest in the in the intact hog, being like, I don't care, I want it. They were so adamant that it wouldn't be good that they were denying me getting it. Like they didn't want, and it wasn't because they were in love with the pig. They're like, no, 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 no. We'll get you a good one. We'll get you a good one. That was no good for you. Maybe you would that like was their it. that Maybe was their take like on it more. It. I I tend to like leaner meat anyway. I I really I, I, I do too. But I I will tell you this: the, the, when they do, and and you know, I have pretty, you know, I've done a few. I've done a bit of pig hunting, and and they can get where they do have quite an odor to them. And this boar just stunk like boar, oh, yeah. you know. But I, this comes from a guy who will eat black bears that have been feeding on salmon. Right. And what is that like? Dead salmon. It's like this rotten the, salmon. Their meat, their meat tastes like rotten salmon? Yeah, because I'm telling you, man, like <sighs> the fat is so – the fat just carries. There's a book on the – Harold McGee's book. Um, on cooking, the science and lore of the of cooking, or science and lore of the kitchen. He has an explanation there why animal fat is such a reliable indicator of what the animal's been up to. And, and I should re- refer well, you your, showed that on refer your show. Your, yeah, refer your listeners to that rather than try to explain it myself. But, but you showed that reason, on your show when you, when you shot it. that bear with that had eaten blueberries. Well, yeah, it's just like unbelievable. And you can just drink the fat. You can melt the fat and drink it, and it tastes good. Now, the fat on a salmon bear, you really have to carefully. And this is in the spring when they haven't actually eaten a salmon in six months or something. You have to very carefully trim that fat away. Then the flesh becomes more palatable. But it's just, like, kind of atrocious. And I got a friend in Montana. He shot a bear over a, of a, over a rotten cow one time. Same thing. He thought it was nearly inedible, you know. So what do you do when, that, when you have that situation? Do you continue to eat the animal yeah, just man. out of respect? Like, if something – if I'm eating meat that's great. Okay, super high quality meat. I cook in a high quality way where I do as little to it as possible. I'll take a lot. Like you know, we ate some pretty straight up meat when we were out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, right like, out of the animal. Like just like meat, delicious, cooked to warm. Yeah, with salt on it. You know. Yeah. So good meat, I'll do that. If I get an animal that's that's funky, and I, and I killed a and I killed a female pig one time that was probably one of the worst game animals I've ever done. A, I'm just going to eat it. Okay, it's like for me. Any displeasure I experience eating off-tasting flesh isn't as bad as the displeasure that I would experience from having killed a big game animal and not consumed it. That's a very great statement. So for me, it's just I'm going to eat it. And whether I make pepperoni sticks, if it's bad, I make pepperoni sticks, I eat the thing. You know, and, and I haven't always done that. Like I, like I've explained to you many times, I used to do a lot of fur trapping and you know sell animal furs. But now, at this point in my life and like my relationship with hunting now, I, you know, like to eat what I hunt for. To the point, I mean, we we ate a coyote not long ago down in Mexico. So <laughs> how, many times times you hear that? Ago. how many times <laughs> how many times you hear anybody say that? You're the only person on the planet. I, I this is what's great about the podcast. We had a we had a coyote in Mexico. <laughs> what? I never Wait thought I'd meet somebody who ate a fucking coyote. That's as weird as saying I kill people sometimes. Uh. Oh my god! Why did you eat a coyote? That's great. Uh, yeah, pull that microphone people, up and tell us a little so, story, Uncle Steve. People so often, <laughs> I get asked, like, as the guy that's eating stuff, I get asked all the time, like, "What is it like to eat this? What's it like to eat that?" And I have fielded the question about what's like to eat a coyote so many times that I started to feel like it was professional, you know, like malfeasance for me to not have a good answer. 
you know, to be like, professional I have malfeasance. We're not have a good answer. What a fucking coyote tastes like. <laughs> yeah. So it's like as professional development, I wanted to know and we got a coyote and, uh, so you have to eat the whole coyote now in your mind. We ate like, well, there's a handful of us there and we put the vast majority of that thing down. <laughs> And we, we bur- put the vast majority of that thing down. We burned the hair off it. We oh burned, my We burned all God. the hair off it and then roasted it. Wow. How was Skin it? Skin on. What it tastes like. Well, I got to steal, like, the best description. I got to steal this from my buddy, <laughs> Remy Warren, I was hunting with. And Remy Warren tasted it. And, he, and this is an esoteric comparison. Remy Warren tasted it. He's a hunting guide. And he said, uh, it tastes like overcooked diver duck. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. That's the closest I can come to. Well, for folks who don't know, you explained this to us on the trip too. Di- there's diver ducks and and fl- floaters. Is that what they call the other ones? Yeah, like like a like a non biological uh, taxonomy with, with with ducks would be like puddle ducks and diver ducks and, and or people call them dabbler ducks. So ducks that don't go underwater to hunt. And the, the 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 ducks that eat fish are the ones you don't want yeah, to eat. Yeah, divers take... eat a lot. Divers eat a lot more animal matter, and diver ducks and puddle ducks eat a lot more vegetation. See, but to you, that expression, an overcooked diver duck, totally made sense. Yeah. These folks on the subway right now are going, I don't know what, <laughs> what the fuck the this fuck guy's is talking, talking about? about. A fucking overcooked diver, diver duck. duck. Yeah. I'm going to do that mean? the next time I eat something. I don't like. I'm going to be like, man, this tastes a lot like diver duck. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, um, you had a couple shots uh, on the, the the show at uh, at pheasants too, right? We couldn't. Uh, wait, quite, we gotta we gotta back up. One. I just what realized, they call those? I just realized that some ducks are carnivorous. I never thought oh, of yeah, yeah, yeah. being carnivorous. And yeah. even some puddle ducks, some puddle ducks or dabbler ducks eat a lot of plant matter. So uh, uh, of the puddle ducks, one of the like one of the not great tasting ones is a northern shoveler. And northern shovelers eat a lot of animal matter. But you can take the be- huh. like the best duck on the planet, in my mind, be like, I love mallard ducks. But if you get mallard ducks in southeast Alaska, like near my cabin, you can barely eat those mallard ducks. Because even though they're mallards, and in most areas they taste great, in southeast Alaska, those mallards in the, in the late summer are just in there hammering invertebrates. So they're, they're hunting the tide line, eating exposed invertebrates up and down there. And you get those ducks, and rotten. they taste like coyote. <laughs> <laughs> They're eating invertebrates, meaning meaning uh, clams. It's so important. Yeah, like little little you know All insects and that's clams. what you know. People who who don't understand uh, modern methods of farming and the way that animals are uh, fed and the, the the foods that they're fed don't understand the whole corn versus grass fed debate. Right. You know, it's become such an. We've talked about it so many times in the podcast that people like hashtag things grass fed when it has nothing to do with it. They're just being silly. You know, but cows are supposed to eat fucking grass. That's right. They're ruminants. And when you give a cow some corn, it, the whole thing is, it's like giving a person corn. Right. Like, we get fat as fuck, you know? Well, cows also- Corn syrup and shit. Yeah, they have, that's why they have four stomachs or whatever it is. And, yeah. And, and, and to, to break down that grass. Not only that, I bet you the corn doesn't grow as good magic mushrooms. I bet you the corn poop, I bet it's a, it's a fucking mess. It's not grass that's right. pumped through the stomach of a double ennulate cow. It's corn. We're using big words. You used the word a butt. Poor fucker eating corn, growing abscesses in his body. Yeah. Have you ever seen that uh, food? That's ink? why. That's why they have to. They grow the liver's abscess. That's why they have to give them um, antibiotics. Meanwhile, goddamn, it's delicious. That's a problem. It's so good. A good ribeye, a yeah. fatty corn-fed ribeye. Ooh, it's so it's not good. perfect. Like when I'm he- feeling healthy, and I'm I like grass-fed. 
I like a grass-fed yeah. like sirloin, lean, uh-huh. you know. But the best meat I've ever had in my life was a grass-fed was a corn-fed ribeye from Whole Foods, and I cooked that. And I'm telling you, me and my buddy ate it, and it was it was just you're the probably best high. You're probably high. I wasn't. I was I was sober. As I really have to. Th- I think the best meat I've ever eaten in my life was two things: one, the liver and the heart of that that deer that we ate when we were sitting there by a campfire. Yeah. Chopping up, and we had to cut around the bullet hole. We were also we're hungry, eating. though, and we'd spent three days eating those bad mountain dehydrated bags. Those were not that bad. Those I'm telling you. I, I thought that those mountain bags were going to taste way worse than they right. taste. I, th- I thought they were delicious. It's situational. Yeah. yeah. But you it's know. not as good as the meat. No, we work with a guy. We work with a guy, and um, he's like, I don't care about food. I just want to be full and then go do what I want to do. And so he's always talking about, he's like, yeah, I'll be home, and I'll be home, and I'll eat freeze-dried food. Because it's just more efficient for me. I just want to be done and then go do what I want to do. Well, I can understand being obsessed with something else, but, uh, you know, you can enjoy food as well, you dumb fuck. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I like food. Food's awesome. My buddy's a a stuntman and hit the back of his head in an accent, and he lost his sense of smell and taste. Oh. And uh, he doesn't care that much about food. That dude probably eats ass like a champion. Uh, (laughs) I know. Can't smell He might be the greatest ass eater in the universe. That's right. Ah. Who's going to compete with that that guy? What's that, some poo? Big deal. Whatever. I have no fuel. Jimmy Burke, Jimmy Burke one time said to me, he goes, he goes, I said, uh, he, he said something like, I ate her ass, and I kind of made a face, he goes, what's the matter, what's the matter, you don't stick your tongue in a girl's ass, you're going to get shit on your tongue, so fucking what, I can't talk to you, and he just walked away, <laughs> I never said anything, all I did was make a little face, he goes, oh, what's the matter, it's natural to make that face, unless you've had four Jack and Cokes, and right. you've been in that situation where you're really trying to impress a gal, exactly, and you're Listen, like, we've Whoa, all, we've yeah. all, we've all gotten in that sexual Put the frenzy. Spurs on, yeah. son. You get in that hey, frenzy where you're like, Fuck do you have it. that video of uh, the Ted Nugent Pigman adventures? Well, there, there's just like a 30 second. Clip. Yeah, that's fine. Check this. I want Steve Rinell's take on this. If you've never seen this before, Ted Nugent and Pigman are in a fucking helicopter. And the <laughs> this is fucking crazy. It's now legal to hunt in Texas from helicopters. It is. One of the most uh, entertaining episodes of any television show I've ever seen in my life is watching Ted Nugent and Pigman take out wild hogs from a fucking helicopter. I'm like, this is some shit that after the, the fall of America, a thousand years from now, when they're trying to decode our history, they're going to watch that. That thing, they're going to go, yeah. holy fuck. He they can... were flying in helicopters, joking around about headshots. He, he killed 455 pigs that day. No. Yeah. Yeah. 455? Yeah. That's a lot of pigs. Those are some fast Ted Nugent killed pigs. 455 pigs with a machine gun from a helicopter. For Bill Maher. For Bill Maher. Oh, well, Bill Maher is, is very, very anti-hunting. P- well, he's in PETA. Bill Maher? Yes, Bill Maher like, supports PETA, which, by the way, kills more cats and dogs than anybody. You know, ninety-six percent of the uh, animals that come into their shelter. I think, yeah, they, like they put them down, which is you know, I just don't even know what to say about that. That's like they get so crazy. It's like when is it okay to kill? When is it not okay to kill? Mm-hmm. You're killing puppies, and you're mad at people that are killing deer and they're eating them. Like I am losing the script here because that doesn't even make any fucking sense. That's one of the craziest, most dr- ridiculously hypocritical what things do you, what I've ever heard of in puppies? my life. What do you mean? They kill like animals. when they when they people in... drop when people go to PETA and say you know I've got a stray dog here i found you know my 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 puppy my dog just had puppies i don't know what to do with them i'll give them to the animal lovers at PETA. 
these dogs die. Like most that. of I them, mean, they put down because they have to because they yeah. don't have the resources to take care of those dogs. Sure. But that that doesn't matter when you when you're looking at. I don't care if you don't have the resources. You're killing puppies and cats. Okay, and by the way, you're trying to keep it secret too. You don't go advertising and telling people, "Hey, listen, if you don't come and down and, and take these things as pets, we're going to kill them." No, you're doing it on the sneak tip, and people have to find out about it through the internet. And then on top of that, you're criticizing people that are hunting and feeding their family with what they know to be a really healthy animal instead of this mystery fucking chain of command that happens when you buy a, a cheeseburger from Burger King right. or, or wherever would name your fast food joint. Who knows? knows what the fuck happened to that cow before it was converted mm -hmm. into cheeseburgers. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know a goddamn thing. That's and right. the fact that they would go after one while killing puppies and kittens, that's, that's insanity. That's, that is insanity. Mm. You know, a thing that rings false to me, and, and you know, I'm walking on, like, I got, I got, I got to tread delicately here on the issue of, 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 of the helicopter thing. Mm. But, can't one, deny the awesomeness of it. One thing that rings false to me, though, is when guys, like, when guys do, oh, this is so hard to put, because, like, no matter what, it's like Dan if you do, Dan if you don't. I'm going to try to go for it. When someone does, like, if someone goes out and shoots a bunch of something because it's, they're, they're overpopulated for a rancher, it's like, in some way, you have to be self-honest, too, and acknowledge that you're not just doing an altruistic act. You know, like I enjoy to hunt, you know, so when I hunt on my buddy's ranch in California, I'm glad that he figures he has too many pigs because it allows me to go pig hunting and I like to go pig hunting. And I like to eat pigs, but I would never like, I don't then say to my wife, I'm like, ah, I really don't want to do it, but my buddy's in trouble. He's got a lot of pigs and I'm going to go out and as much as it's going to be a drag, I'm going to go out and help them because we need to fight our way through this pig problem. And we all need to give our share because if my buddy had called me and said, you know, I got a real problem with my fences are down. Can you come out and spend a weekend fixing all my fences? <laughs> that really is the problem I have right now. I'd be like, no, but what, what are those pigs up to? You, know? <laughs> you having a problem with them? <laughs> well, it's natural to, first of all, the, so you know, funny. the hunting them is natural. And the dealing with the overpopulation is a real issue for people that do have farms and do have ranches. Like, you got to deal with that. And yeah. to get bullshit, to take, to take crap from people that are killing puppies and kittens, like, man, we need to come to an understanding here. Here's the real issue. It's not PETA. It's not the problem of being ethical towards animals. It's crazy assholes that do illogical shit. And that's the problem with a lot of animal activists. That's the, sure. the problem with a lot of people that claim to love animals more than they love people. You're out of your mind if you love a dog more than you love people. You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. You, that's a one-way relationship. Yeah. Jesus Christ. That thing doesn't talk to you about stuff. It doesn't challenge you on issues. It, it doesn't tell you it loves you. It doesn't help you grow. It's yeah. a goddamn dog. Yeah. And I love my dogs. But you're crazy if you like animals more than people. And the people that are involved, ought to, uh, just for whatever reason, there's a certain percentage. It's not all of them. But a certain percentage of people that are involved in animal rights movements have a distinct distorted perception of the relationship between humans and animals right. 
And their relationship is not one of admiration and respect. It becomes what you were talking about, the, the anthropomorphic sort of a thing. It's yep. like it's Bambi. Mm -hmm. Or it's like, you know, I saw someone was uh, talking about when the mountain lion got shot in Santa Monica. You know, they should fucking shoot people. I'd be happier if some a person was shot than that mountain lion. I'm like, that was a mountain lion in fucking Santa Monica, man. Yeah. Santa Monica is really urban. Yeah. Okay? There's no parks. There's no parks. There's no giant places where there's all trees. There's no Central Park in Santa Monica. A few, years ago, a few years ago, there was a uh, black bear in Bergen County, New Jersey. Do you remember that? No, I don't. North Jersey. And same thing. Like, that's, where, that's where Joey Diaz is from, right, it's by like, the way. It's like right near Hoboken. Respect. You know, you got, a, you got a black bear wandering around Hoboken. Um, Hoboken, and, you uh, fuck. Where are you Hoboken. from? Jesus Hoboken. Christ. Who's Hoboken this guy? is the I'm from uh, Oklahoma. Uh, this guy. Jesus Christ. Sorry about this that. This guy might be from North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> what is your background, sir? <clears throat> He's infiltrated our defenses. So here's, here's my excuse for how I mispronounced. What is it? Hoboken. 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 He says New York, too. All right, so I've, I've got a little bit of a, uh, of a, uh, a beef with Hoboken. Because when okay. I was a kid, I lived in Ridgewood, New Jersey, mm -hmm. for a year. Ridgewood had a uh, law in the books that said you could actually not play video games until you were 16 years old. There was a ban on video games in Ridgewood, New Jersey. So as an eight-year-old in North Jersey, I had to go to Hoboken to a diner to play a German version of Pac-Man. Mm -hmm. So when I think of Hoboken, I don't really think of how to pronounce it. I just think of my, 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 think of my fond memories of playing issues. a German version of Pac-Man when the name of the ghosts were like, you know, 18 characters long. <laughs> that's and, you know, so that's the thing. I, I, I think diners, I think black bears, I think Pac-Man. And so, now I think Hoboken and Joe Rogan will kick my ass if I ever miss So the, the, the issue was that there was a bear in that area? There, was a bear, there, there have been bear sightings in every county in New Jersey. Wow. Every county in New Jersey. And, and they just made bear hunting legal in the last half a decade or so, right? Yeah, it was illegal for a long time. They brought it back. Um, and then when uh, a couple of years ago, when Corzine was governor, they put a stop to it again over the objections of the wildlife commission there in the state and how do you get wildlife commissions that's what drives me crazy how do you get wildlife commissions that are run by people who are animal rights activists and why does that happen and how is that possible that that happens you got it in california right now because you know the the governor uh, uh appoints so many people and they're going to have so many hunters and now they're going to bring a, you know, they're going to say, well, okay, so the hunters get a seat at the table, but we also have to have the animal rights activists have a seat at the table, too. But the idea that they're trying to, I mean, an animal rights activist is automatically going to be anti-hunting. Right. Absolutely. You know, it just doesn't make any sense that someone could be in charge of wildlife management and be anti-hunting. That that's, that's, what that is is this convenient ignorance that a lot of people that don't understand wildlife have. And I, I did until I started getting into it, before I started paying attention, whatever it was, a, a decade or so. I, I think, though, I that, that a lot of these wildlife management um, councils, et cetera, have done a pretty good job of doing their job. And I don't know. Not in liberal them. states, though. The, yeah. the issue is when states like in California, where they're making illogical decisions, like the lack of uh, dogs in black bear and in, uh, in mountain lion hunts. Mm. They're hard enough to fucking kill and to control the population. And especially when you're dealing with predators, like you have a responsibility as a human being to keep the population in control. I'm not saying you should run them to the point of extinction, but you have, a, I think, Every human in a community has, uh, if, if possible, to control predators, you should. There should there's a responsibility to keep uh, a certain 
you know, a certain amount of control on the situation. And when you start doing shit like saying, well, you can't hunt with dogs or you can't do this or you can't do that, you, you, what, you should be, what should be is how many numbers are they killing, okay? And there's not a lot of mountain lions getting killed. It's not easy to do. You know, they're not endangered, right? No, I mean, they're not endangered anymore. No, they're, and they're, they're, they're right now. They're, you're seeing an expansion in range, and it's, and it's different than what people think, because some of the states that have the most heavy hunting for mountain lions are actually turning out to be areas that are population sources. So there's there's a movement right now. I was just reading this this paper recently where they were doing some work on lions, and they they were thinking that with the the abundance of lions. In California, with with the loss of hound hunting, that they would be seeing Californian lions going in to fill ecosystems vacated by harvested lions in Nevada. What they're finding instead is, in spite of all, like the basin and range country in Nevada, in spite of the hunting, is still able to produce lions, and they're seeing lions going in a different direction. They're seeing lions going spreading out displaced young males spreading out from Nevada into California. Now, it could be two things. It could be somehow that their buddy called them in Cal- from California and said, dude, come here. <laughs> they will not mess with you. These people are soft. They don't or, even use dogs. I don't, I don't know what it is, but so much stuff. Like, there's always something that violates all your expectations. And to the answer, like, do state fish and game agencies do their job? I have... You know, no one, no one has complete faith in everything, but in general, I have a lot of faith in state fishing game agencies and and you guys have all had the luxury. Like I have to travel around the world a fair bit. And I used to have this naive idea that you'd go to a developing nation and it would be that you'd experience this great abundance of wildlife. It's just in your mind. It's like, Oh, it's like, back in time sure. somehow you know i remember like the first time i went to philippines the philippines do a magazine story i brought my snorkel my mask and i thought it would just be this explosion of sea life you know but in fact it's not because they use cyanide to fish on the reefs Whoa. and they eat yeah. i mean and dynamite. you go to a fish market there and the fish are an inch long tops or they or it's either there's a bunch of inch long fish or they've just drug in a big whale shark and they're hacking an apartment machetes okay Whoa. so it's like the, the the reality is, is that the U.S. we have very progressive game management, and we have like a hunter based management system. In the U.S., when you factor in how many people live here, where we're at in a technological sense, where we're at in an economic sense, it almost doesn't make sense that we have the wildlife we have. We do a phenomenal job, and there's a richness of wildlife in the United States of America that's unparalleled by any country in a similar situation. And, and Steve, let me there's nothing to compare it to. Let it. me pick it back, and I don't want to interrupt you, but not but you only did. That, you you fuck. Are, well, but the U.S. The U.S. also has been really responsible for many, many years. Also, <clears throat> in if you want to buy timber from, say, Indonesia. Our rules and guidelines for how that timber is harvested and where is incredibly stringent. It's countries like China and Japan that are not responsible. But keep going. So you're right. No, you're absolutely right there. And we've had to use we've had to use certain things to try to control other countries' abuse on the high seas. Like we'll even go after people and be like, not only are we not buy your fisheries, but now we have the capability to boycott your electronics. Exactly. If you're not going to get with the program of high seas fisheries management. What so you- in general in the U.S., I attribute – again, it's starting to sound like, it starts to sound like a documentary. But I'm saying that like the wildlife the, – the North American wildlife conservation model, which is a model based on creating abundance 
so that you can have a limited, sustainable harvest of resources has proven to be the best system. And it's not even debatable. And people don't understand that when they're in urban areas and they become animal rights activists and they talk about how much they love animals. They don't understand things like keeping deer population down so you don't die in car accidents because they don't have natural predators. And unless you're going to go fucking like what they're doing with wolves and reintroduce wolves into your ecosystem, and then what happens? Well, what are you going to control the wolves? They're not funding research. Right. Like, like, like a guy that hunts and he buys firearms and ammunition which has a federally which has essentially a self-imposed excise tax it was voted in by sportsmen they have a self-imposed excise tax where money goes to the federal government it's a percentage that goes to the federal government that purchase it's earmarked for wildlife conservation so you're talking about enforcement of laws which i think peter would agree with greatly that someone needs to enforce these laws that's how that's how we're funding that enforcement hunting license sales and and pitman robertson act funds also buying a hunting license Goes to create state fishing game agencies. Many of these agencies are self-sustaining. They don't get any taxpayer funding. Their funding comes through fees and licenses. And they do wildlife research. Pete is not funding wildlife research. You know? It's like they're just making noise. But, like, the, the conversation so often comes down to Peter, but Peter's become a joke. I mean, when Peter makes the news, it's always like, what are those guys up to now? Exactly. It's always yeah. the tonality. I don't think they're taking seriously. I don't think, throwing I don't paint think on someone's animal, fur coat. I don't think the animal rights, <clears throat> I don't think that people who self-identify as animal rights advocates are actually dangerous. Right. They're not significant. I'm going to disagree with you if we can snuggle and share a microphone no, here. We, there we go. Because I think that PETA is the clown shoes of the animal rights movement, but they're there in a way to be a distraction for, like, the HSUSs of the world. What which, is, you know, what's that mean? What does society, that mean? Humane Society of the United States. Okay. And everybody thinks that the Humane Society is your local dog and cat shelter, mm -hmm. right? But nationally, HSUS, the Humane Society of the United States, doesn't really fund your local animal shelter. They try to raise money off of you thinking that they fund your local animal shelter, but instead... They're the they're the non-clown shoes animal rights group. They're the suit and tie wearing, lobbying, go to politicians. They know how to raise money. They know how to be effective talking to politicians and banning certain types of hunting. And Pete is there, I think, really to be that sort of distraction. You know, oh look, it's the chicks who are getting it's naked and lunatic themselves fringe. like tigers. It's the people who are wearing like the little lettuce bikinis. Mm -hmm. But Michael Markarian or Wayne Pacelli at, uh, at at HSUS. <clears throat> Their goal is the same. I mean, Wayne Paselia said, we want to see a day when there is no hunting in this country. Why do you need to hunt anymore? You can go to the grocery store and you can get your corn fed. Uh, well, beef. that's what's really insane is that someone would want to take away your ability to acquire meat your way. That somehow or another, it would be good to only be able to get your meat from farmers. I think they want. I don't even think that. I, I think, Doesn't even make I think sense. these folks want to get to a day where we're growing meat in laboratories, and we've got yes. our, we've got our test tube vat. I think you're right, but uh, I think they don't meat. understand that there would be this insane imbalance in the, a, in the ecosystem that would would probably re lead to the rise of predators. Absolutely, and not to mention the loss of humanity. I mean, you know, there is something innately human about taking your food. 
that, that I think we would lose if we grew our food in, well, in I think a laboratory. Your so. definition of human is what they want to change. I, I think, think right. what, what they want to change is they want us to evolve past this need to be reliant upon our primal instincts. And my, my, t- think on, my thinking on that is always I understand the idealistic or utopian sort of pull in that direction. But there's also a reality about the time that we live in. Although we can see like a bright future where we become beings of light who can read each other's minds and, you know, the Internet is uh, used to travel on. You know, m- maybe that's the future. Maybe that's a million years from now or whatever the fuck it is. But reality is right now animals don't live forever and they're delicious when you eat them. And, and you guys are getting crazy. So okay, You're not going to live forever. Neither is that deer. Neither is that cow. Like this is nuts. Like the idea that you shouldn't torture them, 100% I'm with you. Yep. The, the idea that you, you shouldn't psychologically damage them by leaving them in cages their whole life and then finally shooting them and eating them. And like, Yeah, there's a lot of bad karma to that. Wouldn't that would make me think that the people that would be the real animal activists would be the ones that want to encourage the the the, the natural food chain? Like you're not going to stop people from eating meat. You're just not. It's too. We like it too much. There's too much scientific evidence that there's benefits through cholesterol for brain function. Inflammation. Through, yeah, there's a lot of benefits of eating meat. You know, and and vegans don't want to believe that because a lot of vegans what their what their thing is is that they used to have an unbelievably shitty diet. They used to eat fucking bullshit and cheeseburgers and shitty food and blah, 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 blah. But now that they're eating vegan, they feel so much better. Oh, my God. And now they're like these proselytizing for the, the vegan religion. And they're going around telling everybody how amazing it is, how amazing they feel to be vegan. But I'm like, I understand. Yeah, you're right. There's a lot of great nutrients in vegetables. But, and meat. <laughs> And meat, too. And meat too. There's, there's a lot of good in that, too. Yeah. And I'm a person who never did, like, eat their body away. I never did eat shit food all the time. I understand the, the, the direct correlation between nutritional supplementation, eating healthy vegetables, eating good lean meats, and feeling better and your body actually performing, especially in something, like, really intense. When you, when you get into, like, jiu-jitsu, any kind of martial art... The stakes of you being good or bad, or you getting your ass kicked, and that's right. a terrible feeling that every man wants to avoid. And you understand what's working and what's not working. Pragmatism comes into play when you're involved in anything, any competitive athletic, especially combat sports. Like you better eat the right shit. Mm-hmm. You better take your fucking vitamin because if you don't, it's a difference between you just barely getting out of a submission and getting to a dominant sure. position and winning, or you tapping out. Right. I mean, it literally sometimes is that close. It's a few beats of a heart. It's it's whether or not you have just that extra push of oxygen in your in your body. People that are, that do that, they like meat. Mm-hmm. Most mm-hmm. of them, you know, they, not, they you know not only that, but it, life. You know, if you look at nature, th- that's such a classic and stark example of how life eats life. That's always well, it, been life an eats life. By the way, whether or not you're eating animals, you're still kiv- that, killing that, living things. This is the thing I've always wondered about, and I, I was I actually maybe like I'm relying on the expertise of your viewers. And this isn't something that they're. This isn't a question that they'd be an- they'll answer through a format like Twitter. It would take like a lengthy email if someone. Knows. And whenever I ask whatever you this, do, don't give out your email right now. No, no, that one, they're gonna it's gonna go to you, and then you're gonna send it to me if it's good. But whenever I ask this, people think I'm being like that. I'm trying to demonstrate absurdity by being absurd. But it really is something I wonder about, and I'm sure there's a great answer for it. In the in the mindset of a, of a of a diehard animal rights person who who feels that human life is, is equal to animal life, what do they propose? 
we should do, like once we conquer the problem of humans consuming animals, human-induced animal suffering, what do they propose is going to, like, what will Population they do with, control? no, what will they do with the bottlenose dolphin? Like, how will it be that he is forced to stop consuming fish? And I'm not trying to be like a smart ass. Right. Like, what will, like, what will you do to get coyotes if life is life is life? Okay. How, when will they be offended by the actions of a coyote? who's killing things to survive. I know it's like he has to, but really if you caught them all and separate them, you'd be able to feed them. But I'm not trying to be a smart ass. Like what is the answer? I think they make you know? a very distinct difference, a big difference between humans and animals, right? They, they, as far as they're concerned, there is a big difference because human beings have a choice. Our choice could, we could be herbivores and exclusively herbivores, and according to them, even healthier than meat eaters, which I disagree with. Uh, I think everybody does. And, and I read the that. China study, everybody. You know, uh, but it's like. Um, I, I, you didn't I, read the whole thing, by the way. Yeah. I, I sure did. I sure <laughs> did. Fuck by out of here. You I know sure you didn't did. read that whole thing. And, and in fact, I'm going to quiz you on the, chapter the eight. The end is the best part, in fact. Um, but, um, is that where Pinocchio he, no, he just, gets his Geppetto out of the whale? All you have to do is read the end, actually, because he talks about how how the how industry uh, hijacks the sort of. The, the hijacks government agencies like the school lunch program and what the military feeds its soldiers uh, into get, buying their food. And how oh, they yeah. get scientists, they stack the deck and get scientists to say that 25% of your fucking diet can be simple sugars because there's a lot of money in high fructose corn syrup and for the corn refiners, etc. It's a very, very, that's what Isn't you Isn't it amazing though? And, people don't understand like how that happened. How all of a sudden, like the government, it gives farmers money to it's been happening like, for a to give long them subsidies time. on corn, like to encourage the growth of corn. And it's not just it's not family farms. Remember, everybody, it's huge industrial farms that get the bulk of the uh, bulk. And of somehow or another, they they wash each other's hands and figure out how to slap each other in the back. Oh, and, totally. They I stack mean, the jack, a deck. I mean, T. Con Campbell does. A, he was a scientist on one of these boards. They, they do a. He does a very good job as a scientist who is involved in the stuff, and he names names because he's friends with these guys who are on Nestle and Coca-Cola's boards who say, guess what? Soda, high fructose corn syrup has nothing to do with obesity. You can eat as much as you want. In fact, 25% of your, the food and nutrition board that sets the standard for the school lunch program of mothers, mothers with uh, dependent children, etc. You can eat 25%, 25% of your diet can be, can be uh, simple sugars. Go ahead. Listen to what Monsanto has done. Okay, <laughs> Monsanto has bought up a company that was the, the leading company on bee research because those are the people that said that Monsanto's pesticides and all the shit that's in their food is uh, a, a causing bee populations to decline. So Monsanto buys them. Then Monsanto develops a fucking robot bee. Okay, I thought I, I joked around about it in my act. I said that bees are such cunty animals. I hope that we make solar powered robot bees that fuel themselves by they have like dicks that are actually vacuum cleaners and they just fuck real bees to death and suck their life out and burn it inside their combustion engine. And I was just joking around. I mean, I didn't think anybody would actually make a robot bee, but I was like, how tough is it to pollinate a fucking plant? They didn't even know they're doing it, and they're doing it. I mean, how all tough I, is all that? All they I know is sticky. Monsanto stealing your material, those bastards. Well, they, they just thought about it. They're like, I bet they thought about it before me. I mean, <laughs> but it takes a long time to develop a fucking a drone bee. bee yeah. But they have a robot bee. Monsanto has fucking Jesus robot Christ. bees now. Yeah. They're, 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 pull up a picture of it. Pull up a picture of it somewhere. Monsanto robot bee is in the news today. 
along with that fucking explosion in Boston. What How scary is that, that shit? Is there any new evidence on that or what's going on? I don't know. We should probably know, huh? Let's see. Hey, CNN. Is. A kid died. A eight-year-old kid. Really? Do they, do they know? Was it was it like a sophisticated no, form? It's. I think it's, uh, it looks like it's a fire, and it looks like there was ball bearings in it, so it looks like it's probably just oh like a, God. you know, one of those ones you find out online. Like a, dom- like a domestic produced, yeah. not like an This is unbelievably horrific. This is seven, 141 people have been injured. 141? And at least 37 of, or at least 17 rather, are uh, critical injuries. Doctors are pulling ball bearings out of people. Damn. Yeah, oh my God. No, Monsanto. Monsanto Robot B. You know, that scares me. They're going to come up with wasps that can sting the shit out See of that you. thing? That's the one with the the quarter, the one right next to it with the quarter. Look at that. That's my, I don't know. The one up in the upper right, that one right there. Look at that. Look at that wow. fucking thing. That is Monsanto's robot bee. And that thing is going to have the same function that that an actual bee does. Like it, they'll be able to get them to fly back and forth and pollinate plants. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh yeah, we killed off the bees. Don't worry, we got Terminator <laughs> bees that we developed specifically. It's like, don't, it's like don't sweat it, dude. And by the way, Montano probably Mon- Monsanto rather owns the uh, copyright on these, and nobody else can make their own robot yep. bees. So you're gonna have to buy robot bees from Monsanto. And like a real bee, they only last like a week. You know, there was a um, <laughs> in the in the in the 1800s. There was this. Uh, there was a. What, what, uh, uh, my, my mind's escaping. What's the guy who stu- uh, when, uh, like one who studies plants? A herb uh, um, botanist. A botanist. Yeah, okay, yeah. There's a botanist who was herbologist. Yeah, a botanist <laughs> was making a ex- was making like an exploration of the American West, and, and he was talking about um, and he wrote for a while about the advance of of the honeybee. You know, the honeybee's not a native, not native to this continent. Really? Yeah, he's talking about the advance of um, the advance of honeybees across the across the continent. So did it come on ships? Well, people, no, people brought it. Oh, they brought it on purpose. Yeah, like um, again, I'm escaping. Like not an aviary, but uh, a hive? apiary. A hive? An apiary. Apiary. Yeah. People brought them for honey production, and they went feral very successfully. Huh. And he was in, in this botanist describes, and he made his trip like some. You know, what I remember he made his trip in 1811 because his getting home was interrupted by the War of 1812. And he was on the Missouri when the um, when that great earthquake, the, the the earthquake struck that actually switched the direction of the Mississippi's flow. Whoa! Yeah, he was there, and then he got Jesus. delayed by the War of eighteen twelve. But anyways, Man, that guy's shit luck. He, no, he had he, this guy. Had, this, guy had, this guy had Bradbury. <laughs> Bradbury was his name, like the novelist. His name was Bradbury. Yeah. He, he had amazingly bad luck. He thought he was just going on a little trip, and it took him like. Seven years to get home, <laughs> and all the material, all the material that Bradbury, all the material he gathered, like all the plant specimens he took, he got done, and he wanted to take a different route home, so he sent his assistant home with his stuff, right? No. But his assistant gets home years earlier, and by the time this dude makes it back home, the assistant has published all the material under his own name. No! <laughs> but anyways, in this book, he, he has this really interesting Son passage. Of a bitch. This really interesting passage about how fast bees are advancing and how they always keep pace. They're, they're always out ahead of the frontier. So at the time when he was writing, he was talking about like the bees somewhere in North Dakota or whatever, but he was saying like reliably, you know, we get, we're in St. Louis in a, in a strong way and bees are 40 miles out and the bees will continue to march across. That's why like colony collapse disorder is interesting as it is. I don't think of it as a wildlife 
issue. I think of it as an agricultural issue. Right, because they're class. not natural. Yeah, it's a, they're it's not a, yeah, it's a non-native species. It's a, it's an agricultural problem, and it's, it's a sad agricultural problem. But I don't. when I think of like wildlife politics and, and the well-being of American wildlife, which I have a vested interest in, like I don't look at colony collapse disorder as – it's a serious economic problem. So this, these animals, or these bees rather, if they didn't exist, if they hadn't been introduced here, would agriculture be drastically different? Yeah, I would say so because they're able to use them in such a targeted – like, you know, a guy that raises bees is doing two things. He's producing honey and he's providing pollination services. So they do these things in tandem, you know. Uh, when, I was a, when I was in college, I worked for a, a beekeeper, and he would – all the while he's collecting honeycomb, but at the same time he's moving stuff around. So at the beginning of the year, he's down. He'd go down to Georgia. He'd truck his bees down to Georgia, and he'd do pollination services down there. And I think that it's just a way that you can do, like, very targeted, very fast, synchronized pollination of plant species that, that if you were relying on native species uh, of bees and native moths and butterflies that I gather would take much longer. What are the native ones as opposed to the – the honeybees are not native. Honeybees are not native. So the North American Indians, they never got any honey before well, we came along? Well, it's like I think that – the, the honeybee produces like a high, vast, like good quantities of a high quality honey. There are similar products produced. There are similar things produced by other things, but it's kind of like the reason that goat's milk isn't really, you know, a, a big strong product. But cows can crank it out, mm-hmm. you know, and so in that way they they were brought for that purpose. But there are many pollinating insects that were native to the U.S. But like. The specific honeybee, as we know, it was introduced species. Wasps were they here? I don't know, but I would. Uh, I'm sure they were. I'd like to be the son of a bitch who introduced wasps to the United yeah. States. Like who brought? Who decided? You know what? Bees. They make honey. I think. Let's see what. What happens if we bring wasps over here? That's, like, that that's like that guy from Animal Planet. Who Screw I, that guy. This guy. I, he had a short-lived show on Animal Planet. And it was, he was an entomologist, and he was a really weird dude. And he goes, he goes, look at this. And he had this huge spider. And he goes, watch this. And he put it in his mouth, and then he pulled it out. It was this huge tarantula. And he goes, now it won't bite me because I'm not a moth. If I was a moth, it would bite me. But I'm a human, so it doesn't know the difference. I'm like, all right, some Filipino thing, right? So I said, I said uh, his claim to fame is he'd been stung by every, every insect. And I said, there are some... Uh, there are some wasps out there that can hurt you. And he said, oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I said, like, what? He goes, well, the tarantula hawk or the 24-hour ant that you find in Panama, if they sting you, you'll fall to the ground and scream for hours and hours. He goes, they call it the 24 ant because when you do get stung, you can't sleep, you can't drink, you can't eat for 24 hours. The pain is so intense. I said, what was the pain like? He goes, I liken it to getting your hand slammed in a car door and being shot with a forty-five at the same time. He was this really weird guy. I was like, well, uh, I'll be staying away from the tarantula hawk, which is indigenous to this area, Nevada, um, Utah. Whenever you talk about any of the the really evil fucking bugs in this world. They scare the shit out of you. You want to scare me? That's really, that really drives me nuts about animal rights activists because those are animals too. Okay, this is a, this is a whole broad ecosystem, and a lot of these things that are out there, we can't live with them. If we live with them, they kill us. Like, do you understand that there's ants in Africa that kill elephants? They climb up an elephant's <laughs> leg and they go right through the fucking ear and they start eating the elephant ear first. Fuck yeah, it's true. That's they find them so and then bad. they communicate with this with the other the ants in their evil cunt colony, and they find this poor fucking elephant They're and they climb up colony. and they eat him. 
ears first. Did you? You must have. If you're something, because you know those guys, my boys in uh, San Antonio, who made this big promotional video for me that said "No cunts." You're coming <laughs> to Brian Gallant, that squad. You come to his show. No cunts, please. Is that from you? Is that your? Uh, yeah, no. Just, I mean, I think that's the the number one problem with human beings. The number one problem. If we eliminated cunts. <laughs> All cunts. Male These cunts, by the way. There's, a, there's a tarantula hawk. Show them that. Show them that. How about that? You want to get stung by that motherfucker? But they actually, <sighs> catch, they actually catch tarantulas, though. Oh yeah, my they do. God, that's and, and drag them home, man. What a monster. Oh, dude. Flying monster. I'm peeing out of my dick. I'll my right point, go ahead. My point is that if we eliminated that from the world, it just and everyone left had to figure things out, I think magically, 99% of the world's problems would immediately be eradicated. I really do believe that. I think most of the world's problems, whether it's crazy, out-of-control bankers that are fucking stealing resources and robbing this country blind, or whether it's evil, corrupt politicians, or whether it's, you know, whatever it is. You get, cut all the cunty human beings out of that equation, and new resolutions automatically begin to show themselves and people automatically begin to try to find ways to, to work together and stop uh, environmental devastations and figure out how to be profitable while still being ethical. It's a cunt issue. We, we have like this huge civilization issue that's it's really a cunt issue. But if you ask them all to line up, you won't have people who self-identify. No, no of course not. So you need a really good court system. Or mushrooms. Or just you do it. <laughs> mushrooms would help. You know, what people need to do is that your, your ego can convince you of some, some pretty horrible shit because we're in this we're, – we're sort of a species that's in a stage. We're in a stage of not quite being animals, being self-aware, having the ability to communicate, but not really being completely, fully, wholly enlightened. And there's a lot of things that slow us down along that way to being completely, wholly enlightened and enjoying – this this experience as brothers and sisters and the problem is people that don't get life right whether it's genetic whether it's behavioral because of their environment and the conditioning that they experience growing up whatever it is those people that don't quite get life right and are just fucking insulting and stupid and annoying and constantly creating their own issues constantly causing problems so that they have some sort of motivation to get through their daily day that's that's a big percentage of human beings it's a complex organism that doesn't come with a direction manual. So a lot of people fuck it up. And you develop from the ground up and you do a shit job and it's addicted to drugs and it's stopping that with these drugs and you're filling these holes and you're, you're cutting off. You got to have something that allows you to see if, if, if it's possible. Some people it's not possible. Some people are so psychologically damaged by the time they become an adult. There's almost nothing you can do for mm. them. But if someone did have enough sense to just stand back and look at their life as if they were trying to give themselves advice. Like if you, if you, how would you give yourself advice? Have you met you mm -hmm. and you saw your issues? Mm -hmm. What would you say? Very few people I, I give myself that. advice. It's a great move. Yeah. You know, that's, you, you, know, time? you know, I think all some time, of it man. comes from, great move. I, I think some of it comes also from, there's something in a human being, like, like somebody once said, this scientist was saying, if you got rid of all the ants on the planet, the earth would last five years. In other words, all the other animals would die in five years for a whole bunch of reasons because it's a part of the ecosystem. If you got rid of all humans, animals and everything else would be just fine. It would flourish. Now, that is an interesting thing to say. I thought about that because I thought the, 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 a lot of people 
when you couch it in those terms, and I think as a human being, you kind of grow up knowing in some ways that we are somehow a burden to the ecosystem. You know, we are a burden to this world, the natural world, and it's something we have to steward properly. That kind of, there's a built-in sense as a human being that in some ways you are a bit of an intruder, an interruption, and a, and a burden to that which is life-sustaining. I always think even now. Well, that's so personal, man. I don't, I don't agree with that at I'm all. I'm not saying that I, I agree. I'm just saying I think that is part of the human psyche and always has been. Really? I think, I think so. I think especially now. I don't now, think so. I think that's where conservation movements and PETA and things come from. I'm going to piss while I disagree know. with you. Uh, <laughs> shit. Try to pull yourself out of the hole. Hey, hey, they, uh, did, did you hear about this? Mm. The Newton uh, families from the, the, the victims of the school shooting yeah. uh, were in the last mile of the uh, – it was dedicated to the last mile was dedicated to them so that's where they were all sitting no and that's where all the bombs went off no yeah so that's a conspiracy going on were any of those individuals um injured uh well i'm not sure because they're they're not saying who's been As as if they haven't suffered enough man i got kids that age yeah and that's something that uh i guess that would have been public information huh yeah where those people were. Yeah, because they, I guess they, they, it actually, there's like, there's, there's a, I'm trying to find a video, right, or a, a photo of it, but there's actually people uh, taking photos in front of it, like the families and stuff like that before it happened. Jesus. That's so weird, man. Oh. Here we go. Yeah, check this out. Uh, it's on HollywoodLife.com, and like there's uh, photos let's see, of them, you know, Sitting right there. Yeah. Oh. The last mile. Shit. That's crazy. I just gotta say that was one of the most satisfying pisses I've ever had in my life. Congratulations, my friend. Something about taking leaks. What is that? Yeah, it's the school shooters uh, were sitting in the last mile of the Boston Marathon from Newton. Oh my God. Yeah. And so, did they get hurt? Uh, probably, but they haven't said who's gotten hurt though. So that's what they're. Oh my God. Some things suck. <sighs> what the fuck? This whole thing is terrifying. CNN, don't go to CNN, folks. Don't, yeah. don't, don't even go look at the front page. It's, it's horrific. It's blood everywhere. <sighs> it's a cunt problem. It's a cunt problem. That's dude. a cunt problem. That's a cunt I mean, problem. Um, there's obviously that's simplifying things to the extreme. There's some cunt Don't, out don't there. send me Twitter messages. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I, you know, I know what you're saying. You're absolutely right. I agree with you, but that's uh, obviously you're missing the point. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, human human beings, man. It used but to be. capable of amazing shit. You know, I've, I've always said that. Like, mm-hmm. we could figure out how to get people to everyone get their shit together. And we are the bipolar ape. We are the most bipolar ape. Yeah, but I don't think it's. I don't think it's important. I mean, I don't think it's necessary for our our our, our survival. I don't think we have to be shitty to to in order to nope. to move forward. I agree. I think that's like the old I think days we've gotten back a lot when we didn't shitty. have technology. I think that's the case. Yep. You know, it's like the when, one of the things that I, I put in, it puts it into perspective that a couple thousand years ago, if someone showed up on your shore, those fucking people were dangerous and you had to kill them. You were, right. you were probably going to get raped and pillaged. And, and sold into slavery. And now you welcome them as an important part of the tourism industry. You know, that's a completely new development in so human true. history. So true. It's you have so fucking true. Rosetta Stone so you can figure out what the hell they were saying. It's it, so true, man. That's it, I mean, so much of the world, up until literally 300 years ago, less, 
Less, what am I talking about? Uh, you know, 150 years ago, was in servitude of some kind and usually a form of slavery. Well, what's really trippy is to see North Korea still rocking it old school today, yeah. still rocking a yeah. full form of I can't figure out what's going to, I can't figure out what's going to happen. I mean, like, in, in some way, in some way, it seems that, that the State Department and the, and, and the military is like, oh my God. Like, what do you do with these guys? Yeah. And the other hand, then the other half of it seems like a serious, like, like serious. I can't tell. Like, is it not serious or serious? Well, it's blustered. It's blustered. North Korea is always blustered. However, the problem is this kid is 29, maybe 30. They don't know a lot about him. And they're not You're talking sure. about the ruler of the North ruler, Korea, the son yeah, of John, John Il now or whatever I think his name is. They Shin don't Jong-un. know. Yeah, they don't know enough about him. And uh, it used to be his father. There was a method to his father's madness. He would create a lot of heat to get bring people to the negotiating table, get more aid or whatever. This kid is, they think, probably rattling his sword to get the respect of the ancient generals that actually run that fucking country. We need so. to bring Dennis Rodman back. You're right, and I'm glad you brought that up. And bring that dude to his senses. Dennis, what do you think of North Korea? When you have Dennis Rodman in your council, why doesn't he bring Dennis Rodman in and with the United States, like, hook it up and just provide him with, you know, a thousand Korean chicks and just let him run it. Let him, let him run that thing. Can <laughs> <laughs> you imagine? We need him in that gene pool anyway. Could you like imagine heaven. if the North Koreans love Dennis Rodman so much that they let him become their king? And then somehow in some strange world, he goes over there and then all of a sudden he starts giving press conferences that Dennis Rodman is now running North Korea. <laughs> Dennis but Rodman. Does, does actually, the leader could Dennis Rodman for I mean, president so, yeah, of North Korea. Not Listen, not man, it's not outside the realm of possibility. How many steps removed from that is Arnold Schwarzenegger running California? Yeah. How many steps removed? It's I'm, only I'm a few a few chapters of ridiculous parody. Yeah, and then Minnesota had a toy governor for a while. You know? Listen, I was a Navy SEAL, and I know about chemtrails and thermite. You can't say he was a, he was a pro wrestler. Yes, he was. He was and, a, and a Navy SEAL medic. Yeah, and, uh, you know. And a huge man. And a conspiracy theorist to the extreme. Yeah, he's got that, that, that show called Conspiracy yeah. Theory, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always looking for thermite. <laughs> Does does the leader Thermite. does the leader Kim Il Young un please say it correctly please say it correctly yeah I don't, I don't know how I would. please say our dear yeah, leader isn't it leader. horrible it's so it's so American to not be able to Kim Jong Un Kim he's, Kim Jong Un such a okay. dick does, exactly but does he have does he have the legal authority or what passes for legal authority hmm. to commit forces the same way that like the U S president could commit forces for sixty or seventy days or, I don't know. They declared war on North Korea, South Korea, though. Well, he's essentially well, a the, dictator. The Korean War never actually ended. I mean, That's it's true. just the yeah. They've always, been, they've always been in a state of war. He's essentially a dictator, right? So, I mean, the, but is he, he, he or is he like the or is he, he like the king. Iranian president who is no. who's really like uh, the Iranian is very different. He's like a godhead. Very I mean, yeah. he's a he's a godhead of state. He's basically. a religious. He's a religious figure. The the North Koreans are have been indoctrinated. For example, every North Korean home, from what I understand, has a speaker. And when he, when the dear leader would speak, you had to, it would blast in your home and you had to memorize that speech. Oh, Jesus. Man, if I had one of those and I could make everybody do that. <laughs> what would your speech be about? I don't know. I'd think of something good, though, man. It's like. What would you say if you could say something An overcooked diver duck. <laughs> People would be like, That's what it. the fuck is our dear leader talking about? Overcooked diver duck. There ducks. it is. <laughs> I might just tell people sugar's bad. Mm, so delicious, though. Yeah. That's the problem. I know these cupcakes aren't good for you, but goddamn, they taste good. You gotta eat enough good food that you could do this, though. 
That's the balance to life. I agree. Balance to life is kale shakes and cupcakes. Yep. <laughs> kale shakes and to, cupcakes. You got to be able to work them all that together. That should be a fucking uh, t-shirt. Kale shakes mm. and cupcakes. It's important, man. Delicious food, passion, a little wine. Yep, I love wine. It's important. Hey, we got to drink some good wine. Fuck and, yeah, and you pay since you're richer than I am. Okay, I'll do it. I don't give a fuck. I love Joe. Joe Rogan's Rogan the Stephen greatest. Uh, Rogan's the greatest. We go to dinner one time, and this, and, and I, and I was like, I'd been reading about wine, so I looked at the list, and I was like, I'm going to choose. Ah, oh, yes, we'll get the right bank Bordeaux here, and I'm asking questions, and Rogan goes, Hey, hey, fuckface, let me show you the, the Joe Rogan way of ordering wine. He goes, Oh, that's expensive as shit. We'll get that one. <laughs> You're ruining everything. I'm trying to impress people. I'm like, No, well, Brian. Way. Brian would like pretend to understand. Oh, See, favorite. one of the reasons why I have very little tolerance with you when it comes to that is that I have uh, my other good friend Matt Lichtenberg who's a huge wine fanatic uh-huh. legit the guy has a fucking crazy wine cellar temperature controlled God. in his house ancient wines and shit and all these important mm. ones and that motherfucker knows wine knows you wine. don't know what you're talking <laughs> I about shit. I call I Matt up shit. I can call Matt up and go, hey, Matt, I go, uh, this is my choices, you know, a Bordeaux from blah, 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 or a blah, 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 and he'll tell you, well, Oregon in 2007 is this shit. If you can get a Pinot from Oregon for 2007 and it's this particular vineyard, he just knows. He know, he's, a, he's a legit wine yeah, connoisseur. Yeah, yeah, I went to his birthday party. And they had uh, this really nutty dinner where they gave what they call flights of wine. Yeah, I don't know about that stuff. Yeah, 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 and they were all like drinking it and describing Fuck. the earthy tones. And mm. the, this one is oak, and this one—that's my favorite thing to do. I'll do that all day, <laughs> all day. Oh, I, I will. What I will do. I'll sit there. And I love pretend. I I love it. I'll wear a I'll wear a tweed jacket. I wear a scarf. You wear a I would definitely wear a scarf. Yeah. I what I'm thinking of is the vertical. There's a vertical and a horizontal flight, right? I don't know. A vertical flight would be, a horizontal flight would be where you take a year and you go to like all the, like all the great Bordeaux mm. and you get their Bordeaux from that year oh, is a yeah. horizontal flight. A vertical flight is you take a, a specific vineyard and you collect all the years from that specific vineyard. So you might host a vertical and it's like Chateau whatever. 1920 to 1945, and you're going to taste a 25 year span out of that. Wow. All right, production. listen. Now I'm and, thinking. And the reason I know this, and I, and I want to do a shameless plug, my buddy Ben Wallace has this great book, The Billionaire's Vinegar, and it's about the most expensive bottle of wine ever sold. But, like, what is good wine? Do we know good wine when we taste it? Yes. It's fascinating. Well, if you get really old shit, wow. the, most likely it's not good anymore. Well, right? the problem is, as his book explains, is the problem is. No one, this is a bottle, the most expensive bottle of wine ever sold wound up being fraudulent, but it was purported to be owned by Thomas Jefferson. Okay. So for like Steve Forbes owned it for a while and all these different guys owned this bottle of wine. One of the Coke brothers owned it for a while. And in the end, there's no one around who can go, I've had a lot of wine from that year. Right. <laughs> and that's right on the money. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's isn't, true. It, isn't it crazy, though, that these different rich guys had the wine and sold it to each other? Uh, like they dude, passed it off. I, you know, you I know got what Forbes invited. did? Forbes stored it in a, they put it in, a, in their corporate headquarters and they had it in a box, like a glass lit box as a decoration, but they had it standing upright with a heat lamp in there or a lamp. Oh, no. And it dried that cork out oh, and the cork no. fell in the bottle. So later, oh when people God. were trying to analyze what was in it, they could never rule out the intrusion of foreign substances, which will not allow them to find out what it was. The guy they eventually, like, is why the, the guy who 
created the hoax would take really good wine and do weird stuff to it. Like he'd put a little bit of vanilla extract in there or he'd put some dirt from his gutter in there. Just weird things he could do to kind of throw people. And then guys that are like big swinging dicks about wine would taste and they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> so great. I, I got it's invited. A, it's a brilliant book. It's, a, it's a such a pretentious book. Book. Oh, it's so thing. I love it. I got invited by a, by, a, by a paparazzi, a huge pa- guy who owned a paparazzi company. And he invited me to a wine tasting. And he said, he said and he goes, I, I, I don't want, you can't really, he was trying to be really nice to me. He goes, I'm going to bring wine for my cellar for you. I said, I'll buy some wine. He goes, I don't want to be a dick to you, but you can't afford the wines we're going to bring. And I go, all right, geez. All right, so, so how much was the most expensive oh, wine Oh, you know, you like literally I was drinking 1961 Stony Hills. I mean, I was drinking like wines that you would co- cost, cost you, uh, you know, $2,000 to drink. I, the, the taster for Zaki's wine, the guy who sets the standard was there. So anyway, I, I, so I go there and I'm drinking crazy. 1960, 1963, 1964. What is it like? What is it like? Well, for me, cause I love wine so much. There is a difference. Now, now here's the thing. If you spend $300 on a bottle of wine, there's a big difference. You're going to taste an amazing wine. If you know what to get versus a, a $50 bottle of wine. However, the difference in three hundred dollars and a thousand dollars, I don't think th- there's no difference. I well, mean, now you're talking about scarcity, okay? Now you're right. going into like years, and there's one left and stuff. Right. Okay. I, I want to back up though because I want to clarify: it's too easy to hack on wine connoisseurs. Uh huh. I, wa- I I do want to say this: the, the handful of times someone did present to me what's like critically regarded as a good wine, I was able to taste that wine and say. I get what you're saying. Like, yeah. there's something going on okay. here that was not going on in all the other wine yes. I've had my whole life. It's wasted on me. <laughs> like, it's wasted on me. But I recognize what right. you're saying. There's something going on. But I, so I don't want to act like it's all. I don't think it's all smoke and mirrors. It's no, not no, all BS no, at all. I don't no, know. it's definitely not all BS. And it's amazing the subtle differences in, in different glasses yes. of wine. And I, I always equate it to this. Like, if I drink an amazing bottle of wine. Like say a five hundred or whatever. Like my friend made a fortune. That he's a huge wine guy, like your buddy. I I always describe it this way. I go when I drink an amazing glass of wine. I say to him, I I the way I the reason it's expensive. I go nothing else tastes like that. That that taste that mm-hmm. experience stands on its own. You don't comp- you can go oh it tastes just like this. No, it stands on its own. It's so complex and it's an experience. For me, I, I love it. Like, if you had to choose, though, if you had to choose between, like, no wine for the rest of your life yeah. or bland food, what would you, what, like, what is more important, the taste of food or the go taste food. of wine? I go yeah, food. 100%, right? Yeah. I could live without wine, no problem. Yeah, I gotta go with I, I, don't, I don't need wine. I like it. Yeah, yeah when, I'm, when I'm eating very high quality, good food that like, I won't have again, I typically, I like to, I like to eat it with water. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. me too. I, sometimes you have food that's so good. Like I was just just in Louisiana this weekend, and I I went to this restaurant called Revolution. I had a gnocchi, a lobster gnocchi. I don't like I'm, the way you say gnocchi. I don't like the way you say <laughs> Afghanistan. I don't like any of that. I didn't I'm say not Nolans. supporting you on any of these endeavors. I was in Nolans. I had a crawfish. Crawfish It's like you, you you're giving a nod toward. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm not, not going to start doing. I'm not going to start doing. But like, you're kind of saying, like, yeah, man, there's more to the earth. There's more to the globe. You know, 
I like. And but I'm, I'm not going to demonstrate this by having to a me. It's like the gold chains of language. He just showed up with a bunch of fucking language gold that's chains. Right, right. I was in Bahrain. I was Bahrain. We spent time in France. But I have to do that. There was joke. a little I bit of work joke. done in Afghanistan <laughs> where they were perpetrating the Taliban. When I was visiting Chile, we. Uh, <laughs> I uh, <sighs> I say Steve Renella. Uh, I never. Steve Renella. You know Steve Renella, my friend Steve country. Renella. Uh, His family's had good rabbit. Yeah. But if really really good food is is another thing that's transcendental, man. Yeah, I don't need good wine, but I do need good food. Oh, you know that's why when it's when I experience. We were talking about your friend that doesn't like food. I have a friend who's just like that too. He's like, I just wanna I just wanna eat and then get done and then do my thing. It's like, man, it's like, I get it. But maybe he's just tastes things different than yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dane Cook. It has to be. Some people like shit and other people hate it. Yeah. Like, I love sea urchin. I think it tastes delicious. I do too. But I've tried to give people sea urchin. And they're like, this is disgusting. Oh, my God. Like, they spit it into a napkin. Like, oh, yeah. I like it. Dane, but Dane... Some people make a, make a monastic decision. You know they're kind of they're kind of like you know mm. with all you know whatever they, all the human suffering in the world or whatever it's like you know I don't want to be a glutton in that way. I look mm. at it differently. I I look at it as I have the ex- I have the opportunity to eat incredible food. I'm going to eat this for the people yeah. that can't eat, it. And, and I'm going to yeah. pay attention in support to it. of all the suffering people. I'm going to enjoy this meal. Yeah, as long as you're not victimizing someone and, and you're enjoying that food, you should just be enjoying that food, enjoy that moment. Well, the idea that human beings have to be in perspective of six billion other fucking people is so crazy. Because otherwise, you'll never be happy. You'll never be happy because the world is filled with suffering. I mean, there's just always tragic instances happening all over the world where people getting hit in the head by coconuts okay yeah. you should not be you should but not be eating that. and enjoying your steak because some some poor farmer got hit in the head with a coconut and fucking died because that shit happens 150 times a year right and not only that but what about the fact that art like people who can really cook that's an art form fuck yeah it they is they dedicate their life to it and it makes your life it just makes the world a better place I don't yeah. want to live in a world with bad with bad food or food to where people don't take care yeah, of yeah you do you'd rather live in that world than not be no. alive. Someone said, "All right, no, you no don't good know food, me, Joe. No good food, but also no zombies or good food and zombies." I want zombies so I can have an arsenal. <laughs> you can have an arsenal. You can have an arsenal. Can you imagine what Pigman and Nugent would do if we had good food and zombies in this world? Oh man, can you imagine it would be the show ever. Well, the television special on I mean, Twitter the other day. The best show ever would be a combination of The Walking Dead and Duck Dynasty. <laughs> These dudes that go out, they're doing their fucking wacky stunts, like pretending, well, I, I couldn't open the door, so I called Bob. This fake scenario, and then it's all of a sudden, hit, right? they all get eaten by zombies. <laughs> Just rip their fucking throats out as they're filming that shitty show. And they start, they eat their beard. They eat their beard. <laughs> and they choke and die. Blood and brains mixed in with beard, and they're trying to choke it down, throwing up. God. Zombies throw up because they can't eat their beard. You know, one of the, one of the first time, like the, one of the first TV meetings I ever had was years ago. Now it was like I think it was 2004. I had a TV meeting where a guy an, in an aside explained to me the most brilliant show that he was doing, but I don't think it ever happened. And it was going to be he was trying, he was pitching around a show that was going to be um, it was going to start like a reality show where you make our big old live in a house, okay? And you know, you you foment the typical like interpersonal conflict. All right. And as it would go on, things would start getting so unusual 
he was already like right when reality TV was starting. He was already trying. He was already trying to think of what he was ahead of his time. He's already thinking like how to toy with it. And he wanted to have it get like increasingly outrageous to build up where people would say like, there's no way, there's no way. And he wanted to bring it to the point where there was a murder. Whoa. You know, and then there'd be a murder. And then the people in the reality show would be trying to like hide the fact that they killed one of the roommates. And it would make this like very gradual segue into drama. And I was like, that is the most genius thing. But I don't think he ever. Well, was he murder. trying for an actual real murder? No, 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 no. He was just going to do... He was going to fake it. Yeah, a scripted reality right. show. He was going to have a scripted, like, a reality show that viewers would... Like, the way viewers don't really understand that reality shows are, are uh-huh. cast and scripted. He was going to, like, toy with this idea right when it was starting to happen. Like, real, a real world, to MTV real world type thing. But build it, and as he lost... As he courted, like, in, an incredulous response in his viewership, being like, there's no way, there's no way, they didn't do that, that didn't happen... To like push it so far that the final tipping point would be that they actually kill somebody in the house. But they don't really kill someone in the house. It's just no, bullshit. It just, at that point, it jumped to being like, we've been toying. Yeah, we've right. been messing with you the whole time. This is all just us playing with you. That's Duck Dynasty. That's what I'm talking about. That's the fucking show. Maybe that was the guy. I just never heard anything about beards. <laughs> he, just, he faded out how to dress it up in beards. They look like ZZ Top. I love ZZ hey, Top. <laughs> Listen, we got to wrap this bitch up and bring it home. This has uh, been a lot of fun. Cam, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, sorry you had to share a microphone, but That's this right. is a really low-tech fucking studio. I need to get my act together. <laughs> this is the most people we've ever had on microphone. And it worked out. We did it. We this is it awesome. Out. Thanks for having me on, man. Um, and so uh, April 28th is uh, the, uh, the show on Meat Eater. It's on yes. the, the Sportsman's channel. Uh, you can find it on the internet in your, your local. When are we doing this again, man? When are we hunting again? What are we yeah, doing? Are we we just got to line it up. I have like I could always justify it. Let's do it. Yeah, come on, man. I think we should so, go. I think um, we should do a wild pig thing. Let's do yeah, it let's from do the, the ground. From the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No can, helicopters. Can we not do it April twenty fifth, twenty sixth, twenty seventh, twenty eighth? Because I'll be in Edmonton at the comic strip. Oh, just wow. as long as we don't do it then, I'll be. I'm not playing my dad. Edmonton, saying, Alberta, Canada. Yeah, I'll just oh, be there doing stand up at, at, at the April twenty. <laughs> 26, 27, and 28. All right, we're going to work it out, but we're all going together again? Fuck yeah, we're Pigs. going together I, I, again. I, I'm absolutely committed. Northern California? I'm committed. Done. Yeah, and so April Four 28th, seasons. you'll see our show. I've watched both of them. It was really fun, man. It was, it was such a good episode. It was such, such a cool episodes. experience. Some of the best food, I've, most satisfying food I've ever eaten in my life. Yeah. We Sitting I down on it. the ground, 10 degrees outside, cooking deer over a fire. It was let's, fucking amazing. Let's do it again. Couldn't have been, couldn't have been yeah, more fun. The cashmere killer. The cashmere killer. I'm wearing yeah, cashmere. I'm baby. writing a blog about the the entire uh, event that I'll uh, I gotta put write, up this I gotta week. Write a blog too. Because I have pictures of Brian taking a shit outside and we put a flag <laughs> and aluminum foil in it and we're going to offer a, m- a money on Twitter for yep. like $1,000 if anybody could find it and take a picture of their face next to Brian's shit. If you could find it on the Missouri Breaks. We'll That's give you a, a rough description of and, where am it is I, Am GPS. I excluded? Yeah, you're excluded. Oh. Yeah, you're but excluded. We, it turns out going, baby. we had a, we had to uh, put the, the poop in biodegradable these bags. You had to yeah. take your poop with you. You're not supposed to leave your poop behind. Yeah. So it was all for that. Just, that makes it all the more shit. tricky to find. Man. <laughs> <laughs> those bags, those shit bags, were space age. Somewhere in a foil bag. <laughs> they they yeah. were space age. There's none quite like the first night being outside the tent, shitting into a bag with my pants down. It's pouring rain, just not quite cold enough for it to freeze. We're just pouring rain. I'm shitting into oh a bag. Going, whoa! I was trying to clean my butt with my thermos. <laughs> I was trying to run water. I was like, ah, I'm right. I ran out of water. And I'm cleaning my fucking butt. I have to. Hand. I have to ask this before we. Are we going to release the ravine comer footage 
and put that on the internet. Is it possible? It just isn't because I. It just isn't because it would. We, there, I work for people. Is there a way that you, <laughs> you can't have yeah. me mock? You can't have me mock you know coming in a ravine. You, you know, here's the better answer. I'm not the guy to ask. Okay, and that's dead serious. I'm not the. I wouldn't be able to. What about whoever's the editor? Talk Listen, over there. Talk over there. Whoever's the editor? I got a fat bag of weed with your name on it, and I know you want it. <laughs> okay, let's make this happen. We need to get the ravine cover, and we need to get it on the internet. And me pulling quills out of your rump. Yeah, that oh, was fun. But, too. No, that we made. That's that's out there. Right, oh, it's on the internet. Let's yeah. get that going. Is it on the internet? Yeah, yeah. we're a fa- we're a family program, but we, we yeah. that that's out there. All we're putting that out. Okay, beautiful. Yeah, Brian, for like an hour, pulled uh, quills out of my ass. That's a real it was, You know, it was very That's heartfelt, man. It was very heartfelt. Yeah. And and it made me appreciate you guys' friendship. Because <laughs> you were joking about it. You were joking about it, but he did it. Oh, no. Look, you he know would, what I mean? A lot of dudes would just be like, yeah, uh-uh, I ain't no. doing that. He I ain't no homo. And me, they wouldn't do it. You know? And I would do it for him in a fucking heartbeat. Yeah. Yep. Dick party. All right. Dick party. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Dick party. Hey, Dick party. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Hover.com for sponsoring this program. Go to Hover.com forward slash Rogan. Get 10% off your domain name. Thanks also to Ting for sponsoring our podcast. If you go to Rogan.Ting.com, you can save yourself, what is it? 25 bucks. 25 bucks off of either a phone or service. Thanks also to Onnit.com. That's O-N-N-I-T. Use the code name Rogan, save 10% off. Uh, you can follow Steven Ranella on Twitter. That is his Twitter name. It's Steven Ranella with a V, not some fucking PH like some freak that likes to spell. Why would you spell it with a PH when you can use a V and I know exactly what the fuck you're saying? Huh? <laughs> Um, follow him on Twitter and follow Meat Eater on Twitter as well. And Brian, um, the and show. Brian Gallen. Get the Sportsman's Channel if you don't have it. If you want to see us uh, on our on our uh, fucking amazing life changing hunt, it was a great time. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate it. Thank we're gonna you. do this again. We're gonna do podcasts again. We're gonna do. We're gonna hunt again. We're gonna we're gonna live. God damn it! And you're gonna live too. We're gonna get through this shit. Stay together. Keep it together. Love your neighbor. And Kumbaya. Eat, and eat meat. And come in ravines whenever possible. Ravine cover.